Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 65, featuring Paris, Texas from 1984, directed by Vim Vendors. Or if you read it the way it's written in English, Wim Wenders. Sorry, well, his name is actually Vim Wenders, but V's are W's in, uh, or W's are V's in Germany. But we paired it with another great film by the, actually the very first film ever directed by the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan Coen, from 1985, Blood Simple. And these are our, my Texas suggestions. I love these films. And uh, these are definitely films that involve Texas. I think Texas is a massively misunderstood state by uh, the United States as well as the rest of the world. And uh, I think it's a very interesting place to be and very great, cool things happening there. Uh, And I talk a lot about my love of Texas in this particular episode as well as a bunch of other things that happens, as we usually do on these podcasts. All right. Um, But hopefully you guys will enjoy it. I do want to announce that, uh, obviously, we tend to do our recordings uh, live, as you guys will notice on this particular episode. Uh, And we've been doing them all on Twitch. And those have been going really, really well, actually. It's inspiring us to completely expand this uh, podcast channel. And we have big plans for Martini Giant 2.0. And we're deep into it as we speak. But if you guys want to be part of the experience of being part of the audience uh, for our our recordings, just go to twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And when we're not recording an actual episode, we do watch parties. And we actually have figured out a method because watch parties actually rely on a um, Amazon Prime account to work so that you can do the watch party that way. But if you guys don't have Amazon Prime or don't have access to Amazon Prime in your country, we've actually got a way to make it uh, make it happen. The only thing, unfortunately, that it requires is that you have to rent the movie uh, on your own. And then once you rent the movie, uh, we basically give you a time code of where we are and you guys can follow along. It seems to work, so hopefully you guys are okay with that. So this uh, Saturday, uh, May 1st, we're actually planning on doing Life Force as a watch party, so we would love to see you there. However, there's a big caveat, is that I am actually getting a COVID vaccine for my second COVID vaccine, actually, on the day before, and I would uh, there's a high likelihood that I'm going to be out of commission on that Saturday, so we may not actually have a podcast or a watch party on that day. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's just the way things go. So if you guys uh, follow us on our social media channels uh, for Twitch, uh, you guys, uh, it's twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. For Twitter, it is at martini giant. For Instagram, it is at martini underscore giant. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash martini giant uh we will be able to update you whether we're doing a watch party or not but uh otherwise we'd love to see you on saturdays at 3 p.m pacific standard time for our watch parties but for now please enjoy episode number 65 paris texas and blood simple all right how's everybody everybody been we're doing okay uh I had my first uh, vaccine shot. shot. Yeah. Yep. How'd it you go? Had, uh, well, it, it went in my arm. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty easy. It's it's so American, right? It's like basically like, you know, it's a drive through system here. You go, it was, it was kind of like a mini version of the, of the, uh, of the uh, Dodger stadium, but you drive up and then there's a line and the cars just kind of move along and then they split you up into lanes and then they, 
you know, it's like you're here for a shot, get your first one, and then open your car door, slap, here's your injection, and then they、mm-hmm. made me park and wait 15 minutes、uh, in、uh, in a parking lot, and then I could take off, and that was it. What'd you do with、I、those 15? Uh, listen to a podcast on my phone on my car. <laughs> <laughs> listen to a podcast on your camera. <laughs> on my camera, yeah. No, so yeah, it was basically.、Uh, I mean, seriously, twenty-five minutes in line. That was it, and then plus fifteen minutes waiting after that. It's really not that bad. So it's no, worth doing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. The only issue is that I have to wait four weeks for the next one, and then like. Two, so it's gonna be like six weeks before I'm like quote unquote immune, right? Right. Or, yeah. And save the card. Yep. Yes, of course. Yep.、Um, of course, I'll save the card.、Um, it's it's a little weird. It's a little weird, and it's so strange. It's like someone was saying, it's like it feels like a dystopian sci-fi film where you're in your car、yeah. getting a shot, but at the same time, everyone's so happy. <laughs> Like they are、right. so excited about getting their shot. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a huge relief to know that it's happening, man. We were out、yeah. driving around to go get coffee this morning, and it, like there was just a un like we went to three different Starbucks because all the Starbucks were uh, uh, the lines were like backed out、huge. in the parking lot. Couldn't believe it, right? And、uh, the car lines that is, and、right. the um, and、uh, it, we were like, I mean, I know it's Easter weekend, but like. What is happening? And, and I figured it must be like the fact that people are getting vaccinated, like, must make them feel free again. And now,、right. at least, yeah, like they're they're flooding the places they wanted to go to before. Well, California is、yeah. doing way better now, like,、right. way, because we were in such bad shape in January. For okay, I'll give you full 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 disclosure. We 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 went out for、uh, we left town for my birthday, and we, birthday. we were very、yeah. very cautious about it. But then we came back, and I just got, and then and then I was like eligible to get my shot right after that, so I got my shot. And then two days after that, Brady started complaining that the fact that he's not feeling well, and he's got us, you know, like basically looks sounds like he's got a cold, and we're like, shit. No, no,、Here、you know.、Right. And then we're like, we just it's like, of course, we just got back from our quote unquote vacation, and he probably might have gotten it. So like same same location, by the way. We said we'd like to, you know, go to get tested, and they said you come right now. And we, he, Karen went and got him tested. In half an hour, she was back home,、Good. and got the results back. And he's negative, which is great. Oh, obviously,、yeah. I would have told you yet if、yeah. I. <laughs> But、uh, and then Karen said, "Might as well test me too." And they tested her too, and she's also negative. So then we called our doctor, and she goes, "Listen, the numbers in California are so much better now. There's actually lower chance that that it's out there." <laughs> Right, right. Is、yeah, it right. January, December, January? Like that was so bad. She says I was getting fifteen, and this is my my doctor, and she's you know for, she says I was getting fifteen twenty calls a day of people that were positive. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, okay, and it's really, like really yeah, and so now it's like I barely get like one or two a week, maybe. Yeah,、uh, my but, brother's best friend got it. He was、yeah. in ICU last week for five、oh, days. Yeah,、But、we. He's a pilot. He's a pilot. Right. Wow.、Yeah. For Delta or yeah, right.、Know? So you know, maybe his exposure is obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then like, and we're like, we're still um, like, um, you know, we got uh, well, like, uh, Anne's gotten uh, vaccinated, but uh, the rest of us haven't. So we're all, all still shut in, 
still right. maintaining. And uh, and even then, after we all get uh, the shot that we're going to be staying in for another month after that. So, right. like, uh, well, just, what was the analogy? like the, the bridge is, is you know, is uh, is seventy five percent complete. Doesn't mean you're going to drive over the bridge. You know, it's like just wait for the bridge to be finished before you drive over the bridge. Exactly. Yeah. We've gone this gone this long. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hang just on, hang, hang it. Yep. Hang on. Yeah. Because yeah. this is the reason why the reason why it got so bad was because the numbers started to go down. Everyone's like, "Oh, the numbers are going down. Let's go out." And then the numbers mm-hmm. skyrocketed. No, they went down. They went. Up because people said, "Screw it! I want to see my family for Christmas." That's for Christmas. what's happening, exactly. and that's what's happening. Michigan, you heard about Michigan, right? Michigan yep. is in yeah. ho- horrible shape, like yeah. worse than Christmas. Oh and, God! And really, you know, yeah, it's in really bad shape, and uh, they're they're out of control. Their ICUs are full. It's like a f- big, huge fourth wave. What's the reason for that? One of the they opened up indoor sports. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's, it's just obvious, you know. Like, just, just stop, hold off until people wait, get vaccinated. <laughs> when you, when you hear the numbers are getting lower, that means stay inside, have yes. hope, but stay inside. Yes, you're, yeah. you've got it under control now. Now just get vaccinated, and then you can move on. Yeah, just because you wow. got the uh, got a rope around the you know around the bulls bulls horns doesn't mean right. you get into the bullpen. Right. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to lead in our, to our Texas double feature there. That was my segue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, okay. So uh, this was a uh, uh, one of my suggestions, actually. Um, and You're a Texas I, fan. You're a fan of Texas. I love Texas. Yep. Uh, I think Texas is uh, one of the most amazing states uh, out there. And uh, Did you ever go I, back and live there? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, but the, Houston or like an Austin, dry or humid? Well, uh, they're both humid. Uh, the, all of them, every the, every place in Texas has its own little piece of something that's interesting. This is because Texas think, is the size of the Earth. <laughs> well, <laughs> Texas enormous, is enormous place. It, Texas is twice the size of Spain. Just to put it in perspective. <laughs> wow. It's a very, very large. It's a, that's right. an alarmingly large state. It's really, really yeah. wild. So if you're driving from Houston, Texas, which is on the east side of Texas, not all the way east, but all, all pretty far east, and uh, you try to drive to Los Angeles, right? It'll take you two and a half days to do that drive. When you get to El Paso, you're only halfway there, and you're still in Texas. <laughs> you're still in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's yeah, pretty wild. Now, I have not actually physically been to Texas, but I'm a I'm a Texas fan in that I'm a giant fan of westerns and of independent film, and both of those things take place in Texas. So, I my my experience with Texas is very interesting, and I absolutely love it, and it definitely influences these two films. We should outline what these two films are real quick, uh, so that people know. We are talking about uh. 19, uh uh, Paris, Texas, Vin Vendor's Paris, Texas, which is from 1984, I believe. Or is it 85? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was four. Yep. Four and Blood Simple, which is 85. Yep. Uh, which is the Coen brothers. Was that one of their first films? It is their first film. That is, is their f- first film, yes. Which is an amazing first film to do, considering. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so 
uh, Paris, Texas, and Blood Simple. Uh, Blood Simple takes place just uh, outside of Houston, around the Houston area. And then uh, Paris, Texas takes place uh, in uh, Chilingua, Texas, and Houston, Texas, and areas around, uh, and Los Angeles as well. Um, but my experience with Texas is that, you know, I was going to go, I got accepted at the Rice University. I, had nothing, I knew nothing about Houston, nothing about Texas, nothing about it at all. And um, so I, I, I was going to drive my, I got a, you know, I got a car and my, you know, I was going to go to grad school there. And I've, I I got accepted at Rice and never visited the campus, knew nothing about it. I just really, to, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I knew I knew Texas I knew Houston was a and I mean Rice was a good school I knew a lot about the school but I never visited the school or or anything I just got accepted and I the first time I saw Texas is when I just went there for school <laughs> believe it or wow. not wow that's awesome then no, no, no did you how did you did you fly in or did you drive in what I drive I drove in, drove in. Yeah. so back in those days uh uh this was before the internet Right. <laughs> so we're 93 is when it was uh, when phones could not take pictures, when phones could not take pictures. In fact, you could sure. phones were only available, mostly available from your house only with a wire yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> were, the other way around. Your camera was stuck in your house and stuck right, there by wire. Yeah, right, 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 right. So um, that's when you had you go to triple A. Do you guys oh, not, remember you go to AAA yeah. and get one of those triptychs? Remember those? Mm -hmm. And it was basically like a series of maps that would connect together and you would flip through it and yep. it would show you your route to get there. Yeah, it was sort of uh, like a, um, it was like a, uh, a interactive version of the uh, Thomas Guide for Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. Right. But it was like, okay, so you're going from here and you go to the top of the map and you go down or you go from side or, or basically it would just, you say, okay, I'm here. And then, uh, then when I get to here, I flip it to the next page and I go down the, the line right. and it shows you how to go. So I basically, you know, went from New York, drove all the way down South to Louisiana and then uh, West to Houston. So um, that is a yeah. swath. That's a big, yeah. That's a good drive, man. That's a. It's a good a, drive. It's a good drive. Yeah. It was about two and a half days. So it's interesting. So the, the distance from New York to Houston is about the same distance from New York to LA, believe it right. or not. Right. Well, uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, really? That, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Look at it on the map. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You just go through a lot more. You just go through a lot more states. <laughs> well, and that's, I really think that, like the, uh, uh, like, I'm not a big fan of flying, but I, I am a big fan of like, uh, really traveling through a place, driving or on trains, yeah. and mm -hmm. like you really see how it all works together, how one sort of cultural area fades into another cultural area, and all this kind of stuff. Like you get a much, much greater sense of sort of the scale and how the country actually flows. You're not um, a big fan of flying because you're afraid to fly? No, because I'm tall and I'm a big dude. Oh. And uh, like packing me into a, uh, an airplane seat is, is, a, is always a massive, uncomfortable experience for six hours. And, uh, and, and also, I mean, yeah, I'm a little, depending upon the day, I'm, I'm, I can be a little uh, agoraphobic, but like. I'm, uh, I'm totally afraid. I mean, I've flown all over the world, but I absolutely 
am afraid of flying. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so I, from, if I, if surprise, I don't have to do it, surprise. But for me, when I, I completely asked, agree. My greatest nightmare is is being on a flight with Eric Sheely, honestly speaking. <laughs> people people <laughs> ask me. That's very cute. I appreciate that. Um, people ask me. People have always asked me over the years, what's your favorite food? And I always say, airplane food. And they're like, what? And I say, because I always feel like it's my last meal. Hey. <laughs> So don't forget to tip your waitresses, ladies and gentlemen. That was that's a hey, fun. thanks for but, hey. <laughs> No, it's true, dude. No, like when years ago, um, like I had a flight experience that was straight up uh, out of a nightmare. Like I couldn't even believe what was happening. We were flying through a um, a storm, and yeah. uh, and it was like if you've seen um, the Twilight Zone movie when the yes. monkey creature is on the plane, like yeah. I, this would have scared the shit out of the monkey creature. It was like the craziest. <laughs> It was like lightning all the time, everywhere. The planes going bananas. Like I was just like, yeah. I was on a flight that got struck by lightning coming from Malta. Oh my god! It was, it was. I was literally like, "This is it, man. I'm dead." Where are you flying from? From Malta to where? You said from Malta to London. Okay, because interesting. I flew. I was flying from uh, uh, Frankfurt to Malta, and we were going through the Alps, and it was like a beautiful lightning fest outside it was awesome <laughs> uh, oh my god i mean like it looks if i could like if i could dial down the fear response you know then uh then i would be like this is incredible look how beautiful this is but like boy oh boy my my heart was up in my eyeball looking out the window it was unbelievable unreal <laughs> unreal <laughs> okay uh so anyway so i was driving to uh, so i was driving to uh uh, uh houston and uh and my my dad told me he's like i don't know anything about texas but i made this for you and what he did was he found uh he got a um he made a tape from a record that he owned which was uh a terry allen uh 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 uh, lp of lubbock right so it was a double lp so he made so he made a he made a he made a, a cassette of that for me and uh, so that, w- that was a cassette tape back when that was what you had in your car to listen to music. No, when your camera so- could not play music. When your camera <laughs> sorry, couldn't play music. Yeah. 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 It was called a MP3. No, no. What was it called? Uh, cassette tape. That's right. Cassette had- tape. <laughs> yeah. So I had that. I think my cassette player was fancy enough that could actually flip the tape for you it played both sides oh you nice. were one of those yes yeah, not the one that you had to take out and flip over right or uh, rewind with a pencil rewind with a pencil right so yeah. uh but i listened to lubbock and if those of you like i mean anyone in the chat or listening to the podcast like go it's it's available on spotify or whatever listen to uh uh terry allen lubbock, lubbock. Yep. uh i think it's just called lubbock all over everything right lubbock all over everything is that something yeah, right. Anyway, Terry, it is a storytelling in music form <laughs> about Texas. And yeah. it made me sort of that was that's what my dad says. Like, I don't know anything about Texas, but I have this album and it's, it pretty much taught me everything I know about Texas and Texans. And there's a lot of truth to that, although that's must, mostly West Texas, uh, although it does apply to uh, to Houston as well. Anyway, so I arrived in Houston. And uh, it was not, it was a kind of a freaky experience. It was a very different kind of city, but not really because it's kind of a strange thing. Houston's very cosmopolitan, as you can imagine. It's the fourth largest city in the United States, may clo- come in closing in on third because I it's about to be Chicago. A bit of a prejudice against thinking that Houston is cosmopolitan. 
I think that people right. probably have a different idea of what Houston is like. like no, it is. It's got a ton of money. Yeah, it's got bazillions of dollars, and, and it's, it's got a, some of the best art art, art museums yeah, in the world. Yep. So, uh, uh, and it's got beautiful culture, beautiful music. I mean, there's a lot of things, right? Exactly, prejudice, as I said, as well as the fact that it's again a huge city. There's like five million, six million people right. that live there. Incidentally, I also uh, put in the chat a uh, link to the Wikipedia on uh, the album is Lubbock yeah. on everything, which is right. uh, with in parentheses on everything. And yeah. just uh, looking at the uh, the track listing, you'll get a flavor for what Chris is talking about. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Sorry, please continue. So, so I didn't necessarily like Texas that much going there because it was kind of weird. And also, I should note that Rice University is an excellent university and one of the top 10 architecture schools in the United States um, and a very, very good school. So most of the people that were there are sort of accepted uh, are, are not from Texas. There is probably, I think there were two, yes, only two people uh in my class were actually from Texas that were uh, there. Right. Um, and so I didn't know much about Texas at all. And that, and then I, but I met my, my, you know, became a good friend of mine and best man of my wedding at my classmate was uh, my buddy Keith and Keith uh, and I uh, became good friends. Uh, Keith was uh, older than me by about 10 years. He sort of went to grad school oh. much later than me. Uh, but uh, he and I became good friends. He's a very eccentric, very, very eccentric person uh, and a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, that spring break of my first trip in Houston, he and I went on a road trip with like no money because we had no money because we were poor grad students. Right. And we went on this road trip. We were supposed to go from Houston to Lubbock, which again is like a thousand miles to get there. Uh, and uh, because his ex-girlfriend was going to give him her old car so that he had a car, but he did because he didn't have a car. He goes, I got to pick up a car in Lubbock. And he said, for, and it's like, I figured I'd do it in spring break. I said, well, why don't I just drive you there? <laughs> right. So yeah. that I could. So it's like, I'm not doing anything for spring break. And gas was cheap at that time, especially in Texas. So it was like, all you had to do was have enough money for gas and some food as you go and see what you can do. Uh, so we got in the car and uh, as we're, this is the way Keith and I were, this is why we remained friends is that we said, okay, so we always, we, first of all, we wanted to leave in the morning, like 10 o'clock in the morning. We end up leaving at three o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon or something like way later because we were always late and doing things. And then he's like, so we, again, we pull out the big map. It's like, okay, so here's the map of Texas. We got to go from here, right? We got to go up here, right? And he's like, hmm, or <laughs> this is, as we're leaving, we're like one mile into our trip. And he goes, instead of going up here, why don't we go? Well, we have all week, right? <laughs> Why don't we go down here, the complete opposite side of oh Texas, God. right? Right. And go down to Big Bend, which is going to be relevant to the movie we're about to talk about. Oh, so you've <laughs> been to that area? I've been to Chilingua, Texas. Yep. Oh. I've been to that town. Wow. I spent some time there during this trip. Had you had you seen that? <laughs> at the time of going on this trip or I did no, a, I saw it afterwards and I was like holy shit that's Chilingua yeah, that's awesome. exactly where that fucking is <laughs> <laughs> it's so good wow it's so good yeah and it's there was no one around there was no one around and I've got so many stories but in that trip we ended up driving over 3,000 miles that's insane 
And our we had we basically the United States. We drove with the United States easy. Right. But what we did is we set up these rules for ourselves. We said we we look at the map and we get to where we want to go, but we don't drive on any interstate. We only find highways. That sure. are like, like no right. no interstates, right? Right. Uh, or, or as little interstates as we can muster. Right. So we're looking at two lane highways and stuff like that. And um, I don't know if you know, I mean, like there's, there's some shots in Paris, Texas that are exactly right. Like it's two lanes and it's straight as an arrow and you can go a hundred miles an hour and there's no cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. And, and it's, and then that's when Keith basically like his his goal was for him to sort of slowly make me, you know, learn what Texas was about. Right. And it was that trip that was it's, it's, to this day one of my greatest memories. We spent, by the way, we slept in my car. Uh, we we were we were gone for about five or six days. Slept in the car uh, and uh, you know ate cheap food at diners or or whatever and. Uh, paid for gas and i think uh we split what we had for the cost for the whole thing i think we spent two hundred dollars each for the whole yeah now we're talking there it is including the gas and everything it's gorgeous yeah uh and we really roughed it so i went to we went down to uh i went down to a big bend which lingua we went uh then we went to white sands new mexico yeah. uh then we went by the way speaking of other movies we went to the vla the very large array which is where contact yeah. is. We we were trying we were trying to find it. Like, where the fuck is this place? Like, trying to find it. But this was before the movie came uh, came out. By the way, so it was completely open. I just walked around. Like, I could have climbed those satellites and everything. It was no right. problem. There was no one there as well. Uh, we went up to New Mexico, uh, all, all throughout New Mexico, lots of places in New Mexico. Then finally, we got to, uh, uh. uh not Lubbock, uh, uh, Amar uh, Amarillo, Amarillo, uh, had, uh, had dinner at the big Texan, uh, and then, <laughs> nice. and then, uh, drove back to Houston. So it was a big freaking long trip. Um, and that's really, you know, driving dr Texas and driving have a lot to do with. They're with linked for one. you. They're, right. li well, they're linked for Texans too. You know what right, I mean? I imagine. Sure. You know, cause you drive places and like, there is nothing more comfortable than a big old Cadillac mm -hmm. <laughs> driving on a straight road. Caddy comfort. Oh, you know, just boom. No, Every little bump is like a little was, massage. When I went, <laughs> <so nice. laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there is something that, like, because I love, I love driving. I think driving is amazing. I didn't learn to drive until I was 36, though. And, uh, wow. and I, so I had a lot of catching up to do. But I, uh, uh, driving in Montana was my version of this. Like, yes insanely long straight roads it was hilly very country, similar like, very similar uh, very similar and uh, man you could just like it just makes you feel like you're flying it's just insane you like right. you completely lose track of the speed like you have no idea how fast you are going at all like it's just no. sort of you know like you're just going um right. and I, you know now i know in montana i wonder if they have this in texas they have uh signs that are daytime speed limit and nighttime speed limit signs and it's different mm. yes. uh and because uh, like you, you can go like seventy-five miles an hour during the day and sixty-five miles an hour during uh, after dark. Well, the areas of uh, of Montana where you can go without a speed limit, right, right, huh. yeah, just wide open. Yeah, it's just wide open. Yeah, and, the only thing you don't worry about in Montana is the deer, which are right. Every, every and I think small. in Texas, in Texas, there's places where it's eighty or eighty-five uh, the speed yep. limit. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, 
but honestly speak like listen keith and i did some crazy shit that i do not recommend anyone ever do <laughs> so right. we did something called submarining have you ever heard of that eric's gonna flip out when i hear this this is it like the opening of um uh the twilight zone movie which we referenced earlier where they're in the car and they say there could be nuns on the road mm, no submarining is basically when you you drive you pick a nice strong long straight road right mm -hmm. and, and you has to be at night mm -hmm. when it's pitch black and you uh, turn on the dome light in your car, and right. then you turn off the headlights. Off the headlights, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've done that see, before. Yeah. See how long it can go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, three seconds. I might yeah. forget it. <laughs> that is terrifying. It, it shouldn't be done by humans because it's also very should dangerous. Should not be done. But yes, uh, it, no, does, no. it does produce it some is quite the an emotion. <laughs> Listen, but we've I've done Keith and I have done some stupid things together, and that was one of them. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, it, it leaves an impression. What was that, that Eric? the stupidest thing you've done in your life, you think? Submarining? That's pretty no, no, no. Well, they'll yeah. Yeah, it's up there. It's up there. It's gotta be up there. It's gotta be up there. Gotta be up there. Uh we Not started a rock fight. We started a rock fight in the middle nice. of the of the middle of a nowhere in Texas, which could nice. have been really dangerous. That was really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where's the nearest hospital? Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> what are you boys yeah. talking about? <laughs> yeah, really stupid. Uh, here we just put uh, you down. <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, the thing that there, there was lots of things that we were sort of on that road trip. We kept referring to movies, right? Mm -hmm. Keith kept talking about Paris, Texas, which I said, you know, I haven't seen it, and I had seen it after that, but you know. Right. Uh, and then, but the other one we kept talking about was uh, right. This is the thing we wanted to accomplish. Somehow we wanted to do this in on this trip, have this experience, was the experience of driving the road on the road at night and making it feel like wild at heart when they're driving oh, yeah. down that hut. Oh, yeah. Man. Rocking yeah. good so, time, Lulu. Rocking right. good time. And also that has and we got pretty close scenes. to that when we were in Martha, Texas. It was pretty freaking Martha. crazy. Martha. Martha, Texas. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, uh, not, it's M-A-R-F-A, right? Martha? Yeah. Martha. 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 Yeah. Martha. Yeah. Giante and uh, There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, hopefully, sorry. So guys on the, the chat who are hopefully still with us, have you guys all seen uh, both of these films? Because these are pretty pretty well-known films in the indie side the of Parasite, things. Yeah, Parasite is not quite as well-known as Blood Simple. Blood Simple is known because of all the other movies by the Cones. But I really? think I still run into a lot of people that have not seen Blood Simple. Right. So, it, so it, let us are, know in the chat if you guys have seen it or not, But because um, I'm about to get into it. But Yeah, pa uh, Paris, Texas is uh, by Vim Vendors. And Vim Vendors also uh, directed the incredible movie Wings of Desire. Uh, with, mm -hmm. uh, was it Bruno, Bruno Gans? And, uh, he also did the Grizzly Man movie that we talked about. Oh, no, that's actually um, Werner Herzog. But, oh, yeah, Werner they, Herzog. No, yeah, yeah Vim Vendors. Uh, yeah, but who, wait, who, who did, who did uh, Until the End of the World? That is Vin Vendors, Vin Vendors yeah, which, right. which you know, I know you and I love hugely. The, new, the six hour, whatever, more than yep. that, uh, cut on Criterion is just, in, it's right. one of the best science fiction films ever made. Unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. Um, yeah. So we highly recommend, there's a bunch of good Vin Vendors on um, Criterion channel right now. Paris, Texas is definitely uh, way up on the list. Really, really good. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 
yep. and we can the 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 narrative between these two films is actually fairly simple mm. uh which i like these are both these are both very slow films but highly impactful imagery and emotional performances in a lot yep. of ways uh you guys had seen both of these films before i'm assuming eric yes. and dan right yeah they they yeah. are definitely high blood blood simple is many uh, times yeah, like Blood, Blood yeah. Simple. I, I don't know what, whether I saw Blood Simple before I saw Raising Arizona, but it was definitely like when I when I'd seen one and then the other, I was like, "Holy shit, who are these guys?" Right. You know, like yeah. They really, really knocked me on my ass. Well, Blood Simple, if you really think about it, it's like a like a like a really stripped down emotional p like version of fargo except it's in texas <laughs> oh yeah it's like there's yeah. their sister movies for sure they're in fact, very like, they're yeah. very simple like things. We, we don't have to get into it just yet but like i can definitely say that like that like what's what's the uh when people say like when they're talking about literature they'll talk about an ur text like you you are text and ur text is like this is the secret sort of you know uh you can see all the stuff that later influences everybody else blood simple is so yep. jam-packed with what stuff the coens like do later in all of the rest of their movies that's that right. it's, it, it feels and like the movie that you make at the end of your career yeah like that it's car insane. scene cleaning out the back of the car that's tarantino oh. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And like this, this Oh yeah, and like another filmmakers have 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 copped to ripping this off wholesale. And not only that, yes. I'm just gonna before I forget it, I want to say this. This movie has uh he's not in the back, he's not in the trunk, but he's in the backseat. There is a person you think is dead in basically the trunk of the car, uh starts making noise, and right. uh they have and Goodfellas. It's good, it's good fellas. Fellas. and yes. it also has a scene where someone's going, What am basically saying, What am I a clown to you? And that's, that's right. <laughs> right. So that's like, right. Jesus. Yeah, I know. It's really had the a... car scene is like the opening of Goodfellas. Like, man, did yeah. he take that one? And the yeah. cleaning it's of the right car up. scene was Tarantino down to it's the Tarantino. blood. Yeah, Tarantino. Oh, blood yeah. seeping through. Yeah, absolutely. I got to tell you this because I remember like saying, "Is like, oh, this is the Coen Brothers' first film, right?" Yep. And I remember when I first saw it, it's like, "This is really cool," and I can see how this is someone's first film. But like, I. I don't remember. It was a long, long time ago where I, when I first saw it and actually been a long time since I seen it. And then I hate, and I hate to harp on this, but I'm going to do it. Like I I just, you know, we have it on, it's on Criterion channel, which by the way, does a really good job. Uh, that's another reason I like Criterion channel. It does a really good job of high quality streams. Meaning yeah. like the compression yeah. is very well. And they, and they pay, yeah, they pay for it by like, you will have to sometimes wait for it to fully load. Like it, like it takes a little bit longer for Criterion. Yeah, yeah. but you're uh, getting but it's, high it's, quality. You're getting yeah. a lot of fucking shit. It's not like yeah, you're getting down, the yeah. grain of everything. Like all yeah. the grain is in really there good. and everything else. So it's really, really, really nice. Now I'm watching this on my my brand new TV, which I've been talking about every time. But like the it OLED. looks so good. It, yeah, yeah it looks so good, and I'm like, this can't be their first film. In fact, yeah. it doesn't even look like a well, film Barry from 1980. Yeah. yeah, like it, it is a. They did a really nice restoration of it. The one you're watching is the restoration from I think 2008, somewhere in there. Is that what it is? Because it's, it's so it's good. But it's like it's such a it's such a beautiful clean print. It's insane. But it right. just it like it's just like the filmmaking is already of a level that other directors don't get to till past mm -hmm. their like seventh film. Yeah. That's exactly it's, right. It's, it's incredible. It, no, it does have a little bit of a. Uh, what's it called? Uh, I hate to say it. The lighting is a has a little Michael Bayness to it, like a little 
you know, super yeah, it's, high it's a contrast. Bit, like they, they basically dialed down their style after this point. Like they, right. they, they're, they're much more, because they're actually friends with Sam Raimi, right? And right. This yeah, almost feels like this almost feels like a Sam Raimi movie at times. Like the the camera yes. is so active yeah. and it's so like and, and they carry that into up. yeah exactly and they uh, and they sort of spend the rest of their career like sort of tuning that act down like keeping it but dialing it dialing it in and mm-hmm. uh, and so you just see all these shots you're just like I've definitely seen this shot in like No Country for Old Men but on a, on a at the thirty percent level and <laughs> right. uh, and it's and it's amazing like there's yeah it's just so I guess we're talking about Blood Simple first do you want to do that one first do you want to do Paris Texas first yeah let's do Blood Simple first okay. uh, which uh, yeah because there's a lot to talk about in Paris Texas because that one that one really hit me hard yesterday when I watched it again so. Uh, but Blood Simple is is a is a simpler film, shall we say? Yeah, with great it. great performances. So uh, uh, Blood Simple, opening so, line of Blood Simple. You got, I love that. Go ahead, the opening so, line. The opening line with uh, uh, the guy from Blade Runner, the cop, the the, the police chief from Blade Runner, yep. uh, is the is the villain in this picture. And he uh, he says he starts talking about all these other places and all this. Like, hey, you know, like there's here's lots what he says. If, uh, yeah, he says the the world is full of complainers. The world's full of complainers. But the fact is, nothing comes with a guarantee. Yeah, I don't care if you're the Pope of Rome, the President of the United States, or even the Man of the Year. Something can always go wrong. And go ahead complain tell me your problems and to your neighbors ask for help uh watch him fly now in russia they got it mapped out so that everyone pulls uh, pulls for everyone, everyone pulls else for everyone else, <laughs> 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 else. But, but that's the theory anyway but what, what do i know i, <laughs> what, I, I know say, what i know is texas and it's like holy shit and the good the great like is what i know is texas <laughs> and in texas you're on your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is the heart of that picture. And, and down here, you're things. on your own. Down here, you're on your own. Yeah. So this, like this like, movie. Holy shit. Yeah, it, comes so out, good. it comes out screaming. It just like, well, yeah. Bam, right. And also, by the way, just to point it out, like that opening gag is cut over lots of shots in Texas and like the drive-in movie theater and all this kind of jazz. Right. And that they use in No Country for Old Men, where Tommy yes. Lee Jones is doing exactly the same style of setup. Yeah, but again, it's like right. dialed down to the, 30% level. And now, here's the thing I'm telling you, it's, it's something very specific and very cinematic about Texas, which is especially down where they were shooting it, which is sort of on the west, west, east Texas, kind of yep. more on the Houston side. There are very, there are no hills in that area, right? Yeah, There's nothing, right? The, very, yeah. very flat. Yeah, and the effect, flat. the effect that flatness has is that it has a huge sky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the sky yeah. is as big as it's going to get. Yep. Because there's there's no when you go up Full just a couple yeah you go up a couple degrees, degrees sky you yeah. go all the way down <laughs> and the sky especially when you're in that area where there's clouds because it rains a lot it's you know it's not like L.A. where there's nothing but blue sky and not a single cloud in there yep. when you have that texture that's got the, so you know that's why they call it big sky country yeah, is because like, you can sort of see the sky all the way yeah because yeah. man that was when I was shooting Montana it's just like I w- I was. Like I was sh- absolutely shocked at the skies, like yeah. and and like, like we were we were you know out in the, out in this you know uh, up in this beautiful mountaintop film and blah 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 whole cruise there and I was just dumbstruck by the sky and it was just getting towards sunset and uh, and uh, one of the cast came over and I was just like I have you I've never seen anything like this this is insane he just and he goes he looks around and he goes oh yeah Thursdays. 
<laughs> Thursdays are pretty good here. Thursdays. Yeah, yeah no, it's really it's really mind blowing. It's really mind. Yeah, but yeah, no. So the uh, so what's the, the, the actor's okay. name? The, the who plays the who's the detective? Uh, that is uh, M. Emmett Walsh. Uh, Emmett Walsh. Right. People mainly know as uh, as the uh, the police uh, chief in Blade Runner, but is wonderful in a billion movies in the seventies yes. and all this stuff. He's, he's a in true uh, character actor. Yeah, he's uh, he what's uh, he's in. Um, uh, what's the one where he's like, I want to say, is it, it's the Hoffman movie, right? Isn't he in the, the Dustin Hoffman movie we always talk about? I can't remember. Any yeah. case, he's great. He's a wonderful, wonderful actor. And yeah, this is one is. of his, he yeah. And he's, he's on the highway. Yeah. That's the great scene. Right. And the, uh, and, uh, this is probably his greatest role. I love him in Blade Runner. He's classic in Blade Runner, but this yeah. is like the, this is the golden performance. He's uh, the- He's the bad guy. Like yeah, he's, he's the, the villain. You also know him from Raising villain. Arizona. He's in Raising yes. Arizona briefly for as uh, uh, the guy that High works with. He goes, uh, yeah. it's all about the head in the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, super good. But this guy. Um, and so you have this guy. You have uh, Francis McDormand. Who is um, probably about 12 in this film. Yeah, she's yeah. Yes, like her first movie. She's incredibly young. She's great in it. Um, and Francis McDormand met the Coens uh, on this gig and then went and married, married him. him. Yep. Right. Um, and uh, you have uh, one of them. Not both yeah, of them. I don't think but she married yeah. both of them at the same time. <laughs> it's in the movie. It's in the background. But the uh, uh, and then you also have uh, they come John, in Paris. <laughs> John John Getz is uh, the other lead uh, guy, yes. and he is uh, he is best known. He's done a lot of TV work. He's very good. But he's best he's known. He's husband in uh, Cheers. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That yeah, that is um, uh, oh. that's not the same. Uh, John Getz is the is the one that uh, Francis McDormand is cheating on him with. Um, yes. And uh, the guy who is Carla's husband is uh, is Francis McDormand's husband in the movie. And yes, uh, and he that that that's sorry, that's someone else. Yeah, that's uh, what I, well, I just lost his name. Hang on for one second. Blood, simple. He types into the computer. Um, I'll that's never retrieve this dude's name. This is uh, Dan Hedaya, who's amazing, and you've seen him a million things. Right. Um, but John Getz is the only thing you might have remembered John Getz in is he is the uh, he is Gina Davis's douchebag publisher ex boyfriend in The Fly. And he gets his oh hand, his God. hand melted off. He gets his hand melted off. Okay. Uh, since then, he's done a lot of other great work for TV, and he's totally awesome. Uh, right. He's in the social network and stuff like that. But like you, this is the, this is his for me his primary role. Like this is yeah. like Blood Simple is just pure gold for this guy, and I will always remember him for Blood Simple. So to me, so, it's it, it, the, the flavor of this film is like it's Texas, right? Super Texas, yes. Texas, yeah, and it's a little freaky and weird yeah. like immediately and, and that's not a bad thing that feels it, it, like it feels good like i still like just, i it was it was it to make it a really strange john ford film was that what, what we were trying to do i don't know the music also or um, no. actually both the films the music is fantastic yep it's so yep. like like oh my god like that's that's the well in the music in, in blood simple is by carter burwell who goes on to do almost all the coen brothers scores as well so like it's a it's basically a unit from the get-go like the uh right. the only big difference is that this one is shot by barry sonnenfeld uh, yeah. Who also did uh, up to up to and including Miller's Crossing, I think, uh, and he's he's a great DP, but he turns this into being a director. Uh, he, he directed like Men in Black one through three or stuff like that, and, and then also Lemony Snicket's, right? 
I think so. Yeah, and he, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Uh, but after that point, they start working with Roger Deakins, who's, and who's who's just the possibly the greatest cinematographer of all time. He is. Uh, so like, uh, but this is a this is a very nicely shot movie. It's really really good looking, and it's very very. It captures like you said, Chris. Like I uh, know I've never been to Texas. So I can't say that I've been there, but like it captures a a flavor. Yes. That is, uh, that I, I, I believe is probably true in Texas that you mm -hmm. don't see represented about Texas very often, which is like, this place is a little bit strange. Like, it's not just like cowboys and, you know, and hard living and blah, blah, blah. Par like, Paris, Texas does a better job than this mm -hmm. film, but that's right. not necessarily the goal of this film, right? Paris, right. Texas had a goal to represent Texas in a, in a specific right. way. This one right. is like, we're using Texas as the backdrop to this fucking weird movie, right? Yeah, like, and, and really... it, gets a, it gets a flavor in there, which is yeah. like, it's very, very special. Both of them do. I think you're right. Um, but Blood Symbol, just to sum it all up, is a neo-noir. And, yep, uh, that, and yep. it, is a, uh, it is a classic noir setup where right. you have a... Uh, there's jealous a, husband, a jealous young husband, wife. Wife is uh, young. cheating on uh, husband. For someone that works at the husband's bar, right. yeah, like right. a bartender, bar bartender, guy. right, right, uh, and the jealous husband starts having them followed by a private investigator, which is played by M.M. Walsh, right. Um, he comes back. M.M. Walsh comes back to the which husband. has the best line where he's looking at the photos of his wife and a fairy. He's like, I can tell you where to get good frames for those. <laughs> 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 like that's like Skype. Like, it's like it's the opposite like, of fat God. Oh, Curly. Oh, oh I know. Exactly. I just got the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yeah, because in Chinatown has the same kind of gag that sets up the whole thing. I think my husband is cheating on me. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the uh, but in Blood Simple, uh, he hires the, the, the scumbag uh, P.I., Right. Goes, brings back photos, shows that uh, it's all, you know, it's all true. Right. And that drives Dan Hedaya, the husband, so nuts that he's right. like, I'm going to ask this PI to kill them. Right. And so he pays, he's going to like, I'll, I'll pay you a big ton of money to go, to kill both of these, uh, my, my wife and her lover. And yeah. then the PI seemingly goes and does this, but of course he doesn't. And no. he makes it look well, like he has. Yeah, he uses visual effects but in he's Photoshop. He, <laughs> right. Yeah. He Photoshop's photos. But he also like. steals the gun of the girl because he notices it when yes. he's scouting in. And right. so the PI takes it her takes gun. Right. The PI takes it into his head to go like, okay, this scumbag wants me to kill these two people. Everyone's better off if I simply kill the scumbag. And I only have to kill this one guy. And then I'm going to... Uh, do it with the pearl handled revolver of his uh, of his wife, so it right. looks like she did it, and then I'll get away scot free with all the cash, and I'm only killing one person, and right. uh, and so that's what the PI does, and what follows out of that. Well, is... hold on, there was very specific. Like he he sets them up really well because yes. this is an important part of the plot. He tells them like. Well, if you want me to kill him, you don't. You're not. Don't be around here, right? You're. Right. You gotta. You gotta disappear. Right. Uh, and uh, so, so go to Corpus Christi and go fishing, yeah. right? Uh, which he does. Uh, and so he he fakes their death through his photography. Dodge and blur. 
that's right. That's right. Uh, and and he fakes their uh, their death through photography, and then once he thinks that they're dead, he gives them the money, and then he kills them. So he right. does this whole fake thing that was yeah. kind of weird. Right. And then those fish, like, what the fuck? Like, they four- bring the. He yep. brings the fish back and lets them on the on the table. There yeah. are four primary characters. There are four rotting fish. Like that's basically the simplest. I know. Yeah. And then he leaves the the lighter, which has Under to make the, him go yeah, back. Fish. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, the basic thing is this all goes off, right? Then the first problem happens, which is, uh, but he shoots that, he shoots the guy once with a pearl yes. revolver. Pearl so he revolver. shoots him. He thinks that Dan Hedaya is dead because he shoots him in the chest, not quite through the heart, but he essentially looks dead. Dan Dan Hedaya starts bleeding out slowly, slumped in his chair. And when later on, after the PI leaves and thinks the guy is dead and thinks he's framed the the wife well, the boyfriend, uh, Francis Norman's boyfriend, shows up and finds Dan Hedaya. Uh, He thinks that Dan Hedaya is dead. And so... He sees the pearl handle revolver and he's like, oh, fuck. Francis McDormand shot him and right. I'm going to clean this all up so she doesn't get in trouble. Yep. Right? So he cleans up all the mess and he puts Dan and Dea in the car and he's driving away and he drives away. He thinks he's covered her tracks because he loves her, drives away. And then he hears a noise and Dan and Dea, it turns out, is not dead. And he's in the back of the car. He's in the back <laughs> of the car. And now he's in the position to have to actually murder Dan Hedaya. Uh, and because you could take him to a hospital if you were a good guy. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he buries him alive in a field out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, uh, but they make it, though, by him burying alive. Hedaya reaches for a gun and yeah. tries to shoot him and there are no bullets. Right. It almost makes it like. It justifies it to him. Like, you know what? Just well, go ahead. It was enough to say, yeah, like, I'm going to be, but you were going to try to kill me or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. But it was also Just like, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, that, that whole sequence, by the way, sounds like, oh shit, he's alive. I'm burying him alive. That whole thing takes place over a long It's a long period, scene. It's a great long scene. And, great and, scene. and you feel the pain and the anger and the frustration and yeah. every piece of it. There's doubt. There's yeah. lots and lots of Brilliant. emotions like, with, with no doubt. Dialogue at all. Right. No dialogue. Right. And yeah. now this, they also rip, uh, rip from themselves when they do Fargo, as you pointed out earlier. There's right. a, they're, they're hiding the body on the side, of the, pulling the body on the side of the road scene in Fargo. Right. Um, but so he And also the, the drivers road. going by giving those expressions. Yep, exactly. Which was very Scruggs. Yeah, like <laughs> it's those, very true. It's very true. And so, like, you like, have. They're pulling yeah, a lot. That's, they, and they do this throughout their careers between and all. And some of them. interesting camera moves. One but, where she falls asleep. And the oh, one yeah, with the, one. The, the camera move where the guy goes by, it was a real kind of twist to the camera. It was really yeah. good. Oh, like the, the, really the shot good. that I was talking about is there's a shot when uh, when Francis McDormand is sort of is at the office when she comes to the office after the guy's been shot, but now the body is gone and she's looking around and she can tell something is really wrong, but she's nobody. There's no body. There's no evidence, and mm-hmm. she's looking around like what the fuck is happening? And it's close up on her face, and suddenly she starts falling backwards really slowly. And lands on a bed and goes to sleep. And that's the tr- scene transition from the bar to her house. To home. And it's, right. it's really genius. But like, uh, just to follow through on the whole story, um, uh, buries them alive, goes to Francis McDormand, who's rented an apartment out, and says, uh, I've taken care of everything. 
right? And she's right. like taking care of what everything. <laughs> and he's like, you don't have to worry. It's okay. And now this scene is beautifully set up because when, um, when the boyfriend confronts the husband early on in the movie, he's like, he's, you know, he's just sort of like, well, this is the way it is. And I want you to pay me my uh, back pay for working at your bar. And then, well, we'll never talk to each other again. Right. And Which uh, is ballsy. It was super ballsy. Right? right. And Dan Dadea says, uh, first, basically tell him fuck off because, you know, you screwed my wife and get the hell out of here. Um, but yep. Dan Hedera goes, you know, like, you know, what's really funny about this is, uh, I, like, I can't wait for you to be talking to her at some point and she's going to look at you and say, like, what are you talking about, Ray? I ain't done nothing funny. And then she's going to fuck you over too, just like she fucked me over. Right. So later in the movie, he shows up and says, okay, I, I took care of everything. You don't have to worry. I, I, uh, I cleaned it all up. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, what are you talking about? What, do I, what am I talking about? And she goes, I haven't done anything funny, Ray. And he's like, oh, shit. Like, suddenly he thinks that she is setting him up to take the fall for the murder that she right. committed. Right. And so he's like, now he's just completely scrambled. Yep. Francis McDormand knows absolutely nothing. She knows nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, she no, she's not, she is not privy to any information. It's all the men are paranoid. All this, of them. The, the brilliance of the movie is that at a certain point towards the end of the movie, you realize that absolutely nobody knows what's going on and they're only making decisions based upon what they think is going on. And right, that is right. making everything worse for everybody. Yes. Right. Yes. So like when, when you finally come to the point where it's like you have MMA Walsh, is uh he finds out that he left the lighter back at the place and he's like oh my god i know he's like i have to try to take i have to kill all these people otherwise i'm dead like i'm gonna be found out the right. boyfriend has come back to francis mcdormand's apartment um and they uh and he's like you know like uh, we're in danger this is terrible because somebody's following me Right. And she's like, she doesn't believe it. Right. And, uh, right. and he's standing by these big open glass windows. Uh, and suddenly, the greatest sound design, by the way. Uh, a, 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 a film of that budget. No, no, no. He, tells, he tells her, he's like, turn off the light, turn, turn off, off the light. light. Yeah. And she goes, doesn't... why? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> also, they do bullets really well. They did that in No Country where the bullets on, where he was, you know, <laughs> oh, the shotgun. The yeah. best sound design. The sound design the is scares impeccable. the shit out of you. Well, because like yeah. that particular shot, I love that shot. Gets shot through the back because it goes. It's not just like you hear the sound of the bullet hit. Like yeah, you see the, the bullet. Gun, the, you hear the, the gun exit wound go off. You hear a clink of the glass of it going through the window and the and the blood explosion. Yeah, and you can almost there. hear his chest, like like ribs cracking, like yeah, exactly. like through the no, exit it's, wound. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like, like if you <laughs> drop a box of crackers and a gallon of soda at the same time. It's unbelievably yeah. nasty. And so he goes down, and like she doesn't know who has shot him. Like and uh, M. Emmett Walsh comes from the the roof that he shot right. from and comes to kill her. Right. Right. This ends up in the an incredible scene where she is basically backed into a single room where suddenly she, it felt like Blade Runner to me. It's like, Blade <laughs> yeah. in fact, there's a couple of shots that are identical to Blade Runner. Yes. Thing, where yeah. Oh yeah. Emmett Emmet Walsh, uh, has, uh, like she's trapped in, like he's walking through the, all through the apartment, trying to mm -hmm. get at her. She's locked herself in a room. He's trying to in get a in a bathroom and he right. is trying to get around to her and he reaches around outside the building. 
No, no, okay, right? hold on, hold on. She's she goes into the bathroom. He, right. He figures it out. So he's looking for her, doesn't find her, figures out she must have been in the bathroom. By the time he gets to the bathroom, she's left through the window of the bathroom, right. crawled to the to another room. Again, right. just like kind of like Braid Runner and sort of gone around. Gone around. So she's on the she's on the other side. He's figured this out somehow. Right. And because see, like, he is like the lad of the he's you can see him thinking it through spatially what's right. happening. And, he's and so like, he's trying to feel I, for where she I is. Reach, uh, reach over here. Oh, there's a window. I'm going to open this window, and then I'll be able to uh, either get at her or uh, reveal that she is in that room. Before right. he, can do, he opens the window, she grabs his hand in that room, pulls it forward, slams the window down, and drives a knife through his hand into the window uh, uh, sill. Uh, sill. And right. now he is in one Trapped. room. With his arm reaching outside the building into another uh, with a knife driven through and pinning him there. Right. right? And he starts. This is the ultimate bad man. Like, it's incredible. Like, yes. He starts. He takes out his pistol and starts shooting Jeez, through, through the, the wall. wall. Isn't it her pistol? <laughs> the pistol. And uh, yeah, the pistol. And starts yeah. shooting through the wall at Frances McDormand. Uh, and you see a light bulb blooming through the wall on her side. Right. Right. And then uh, he he runs and, and he starts punching the wall. He starts punching the wall like yeah, he's, he's punched all pain. these holes, <laughs> right? And so he's punching through this thin wall. She leaves that room, right? Right. Goes back out into the living room. She's looking at the door to the bathroom, which he is behind. The door is almost open, but he can't. See, she can't see him. He uh, 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 punches through the wall to reach. Uh, forward, pulled the knife out of his own <laughs> hand, set himself free, right? And then he uh. stands up to go through the door and face her. And But before he goes through the door, she's got the gun out, pointed at the door, which is closed, and she says, I ain't afraid of you, Ray, and shoots. And you realize yeah, she that know. she thinks <laughs> it's her fucking husband. It's a threat and he's buried in a field. <laughs> And he starts laughing. He's like, so, I'll so make sure I tell him. him. <laughs> oh, my God. She goes, who the fuck is that? Who did I just kill? <laughs> who did I just kill? Like, that movie from Frances McDormand's point of view is so fucking hilarious. Like, she has no idea what the fuck is going on. All these men are acting like revengeful idiots all around her. She has no uh, idea what's happening. And then she yeah. finally sort of, like... She thinks it's her husband. She comes to terms of like, I'm not going to be fucking uh, pushed around by that or shot by this guy. I'm going to kill yeah. my own husband and then kills him. And it's not her husband. It's this other dude. It's so <laughs> like, good. It's just hysterical. It's the so, movie it's is so absolutely good. brilliant all the way through like payoff <laughs> after payoff. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's like, it's not that complicated a story and it's a story we've seen before, but what they've right. done is they picked really key moments and made it feel super, flawless. super good. Flawless. Yeah. Right. Like this so yeah, there, there's things that I, things I want to point out that are like very, very good Texas feels to feeling to them. To, honestly speaking, the people don't necessarily, one is like the bar itself. Like it's feels like a cliche, but there are, oh. there are a lot of bars like that. Like sure. right. roadhouse bars are very, very common in Texas and they're, they're very popular for, for good reason. Um, and so that was really good. The scene by the bridge when he's in his Volkswagen. Oh yeah. And he's so a conversation about having them killed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's very Texas as well. I was going like, to ask because they, it's the lead up to that scene, especially that I really like when he's walking by all the kids that are just like parked and like they're, yeah. I think uh, it's a him. cigarette. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. He's talking about like they thought somebody came up to him with a cigarette. Well, yeah. he had a cigarette out and they thought it was pot or, you know, because it was, it was like, hand rolled. So that's what, yeah. yeah. Like there's yeah. something, cause it's all these kids like parked out on a bluff somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the sunlight is just like the sun's just gone down, but the sky is still like glowy orange. Yeah. And, uh, and he is, uh, he, like he's, he's driving a beetle, which is kind he's, of funky too. He's, he's really beetle. into beetles. Right. right. Well, then yeah. like the, the beetle was oh, a Carmagia or a beetle. No, no, it was a beetle. Like the the what's what's also awesome is in the Big Lebowski they use exactly the same I think the same car and the same shot of when it's when it's following Lebowski is the same as the opening of the movie when that car is following. Yes, you're right. Yeah, it's fucking endless. That's right. the unbelievable number of things that they crib from themselves after this, after this one movie, they're just like, we're just going to make the movie we want to make. And then we're going to remake this movie a thousand times. And that's yeah. basically what their career has been. It's just insane. Yeah. And I don't mean it's, that as a criticism. I think it's just incredible. No, no. that's not a criticism at all. It's yeah, good. They, it's good. It's they, really good. They are refining their act as they go. I mean, I think that they've made much better movies than blood simple, but blood simple is one of these, like, it's just such an exciting uh, it's got it's got a lot of okay. Here's what it is to me, and I think you're right. It's like it's like they made a they've got all the the raw ingredients, so yes. it's a, it's very raw flavor to it, but right. very powerful, right? Everything, right. all the other ones, including Fargo, etc., are more refined <laughs> versions yeah, exactly. of those things. Exactly. But yeah. they're and not they, as like, complex. They, they have their own <laughs> all the pieces in there, right? Right. But it's like you're. I think it, like uh, talking about it, like it, like their cooks is exactly the right metaphor, Chris. Because like right. it's like when you realize that someone's actually super talented at this. Like they they make like here's the thing I like to cook. I like to cook Italian, taste it, and tell me if it's any good. And you're like. But, oh shit this is really good this isn't like you can cook this is like you're a chef and right. then after this point they basically open up the fargo restaurant and the country old men restaurant and they have right, right, all right. these variations on that same thing but they're always yep. cooking italian like that's like yeah that's what these guys do and like they the love raising it. arizona like, restaurant raising arizona. exactly <laughs> exactly uh, but it's like it's, exel- it's so exhilarating to because even if you just watch this movie all by itself like mm-hmm. and you've never seen any other Coen Brothers movie. Like it is, uh, it's so uh, like exhilarating to watch someone discover how good they are at something. Like, yeah. they're, like they're like this movie is so fucking confident that you're like you get you can't not. That's be what it hard. is. Yeah, and they had it's no incredible. budget in the Criterion. They have a lot of interviews on the anniversary um, get together. So the DP's there, and if you have Criterion, you can listen to all the different interviews. And some of those night shots they did at uh, on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Oh, no kidding! Really? That's really? Amazing. Yeah, because they just That's didn't sick. have the budgets, and they had you know just a set of uh, shorts, maybe uh, you know like uh, some film and then they just basically went out and shot on the bqe yeah yeah man that's That's, amazing so there's some other other thing is the the scene where it's her house and stuff like that and uh and the the bartender comes by to yell at the guy you know so it's all in sort of the front yard you notice how green and how many trees there are there that's something i think a lot of people don't realize especially in 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 east texas besides it being very flat it's actually very humid and very lush there's yeah, tons right. and tons yeah. and tons of trees. And Houston is actually, uh, and, and you kind of get that feeling. And you see it in Rushmore too, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Not in yeah. two different directors. The, but the school. The school, yeah. There, so there is, the, the, there in Texas, uh, or specifically in Houston, they have these live oak trees. And the live oak trees are so 
big. The canopies are so big that if you have even a big boulevard, you can have a live oak tree on either side and it'll be a canopy over the entire boulevard. Like, because they, so, so you, there's a lot of like shade. So, especially because it's so hot over there, shade of tree shade is actually a very valuable thing. Right. 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 So it's kind of like this amazing thing. So you can sort of sense it in a neighborhood, the the, the amount of greenery that's in that area, which is different. The more you start going east and you start, you start to have more open land and open fields and you start feeling that a little bit more. But, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, sorry, west from there, but uh, right. it's there. So I remember seeing Blood Simple when I was living in Houston. That was the first time I saw it. So this is, you know, probably ninety four or five or something like that. And I was like, oh my god, this is, this is, this is totally exact. It was like I was saying, this is how I first experienced Texas. There was something yes. about it that was cool, but it was also brought, like you said, in a very classic film noir sense, right? Like. Right. Jealous husband, boyfriend, private investigator. I mean, this is like, this is, you know, it, Eric, you, you you say make a heist film, right? Like, this is yeah. another type of make a heist film, but yeah, it's not exactly. a heist. This is like oh, yeah. a very simple plot. And if you can execute it really well, like they yeah. did. Then it's uh, flawless. Yeah, exactly. Flawless. And yeah, the, oh, go ahead, the sorry. acting is really this good, also, too. Like, this also evoked for me another film that I love. Uh, which was Red Rock West, which Red came Rock after. Red Rock West, great film. Yeah, John John Dahl, the director on that one. Yeah, and JT Walsh. Yeah, absolutely great picture. Great, great picture. Because I mean, like that neo noir thing. I mean, like, like there was a there's was, it wasn't quite a heyday for it, but like there was like a period in the eighties to the nineties where like there like more great noirs were happening than in the original noir period. I was just like, mm, yeah. Jesus, like, there's, like, we hit this incredible stride of reinvent. Cause I mean, I would put, uh, Wilded Hearts in that, uh, mix as sure. well. I mean, like, all well, this, like, is it, isn't that the case? Because noir films were not necessarily considered big pieces of art when they were made. They oh, were no, made like, other B movies. Yeah, they were supposed to be like pulp fiction type yeah, things, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. Because like Noir became, um, you know, we taught me a we had a great episode on this a while ago. Um, but the uh, like Noir itself was essentially just trash cinema. It was beat right. stuff, and then all the stuff they learned from Noir they applied to other productions like Casablanca. You know, like Casablanca right. is basically shot like a Noir film, um, and uh, and that's stuff that you know is learned from. You know, movies like Teen Men and all this other stuff, you know, because it's a it's a great dramatic way to shoot with quick light setups. Um, but it created a whole sort of world and sensibility to make movies in. And uh, and, you know, pretty much it became so intense in the in the 40s and 50s that uh, it quickly became sort of a parody of itself by the time it hits the 60s. And it drops out of popularity until more or less the 80s. But the best films of the 80s. Uh, from Blood Simple onward are basically reinventions of noir. And because uh, you can see this even in like Carpenter, John Carpenter's movies, like the thing is, is shot very much like a noir film and builds very much like a noir film. And then you get all the way towards the end of the 80s and the early 90s with Red Rock West. And uh, uh, there's another one, I think, by even by that same director. I can't remember it, but it's like there's such a great list of these really intense uh, Romeo little, was bleeding, but Romeo I don't like bleeding. Romeo. Romeo's bleeding. I would, I would actually say things like uh, the Hitcher. Um, yeah, oh, the Hitcher. Yeah. Scary, scary film. Um, yeah. Which like essentially uses you know and uh, and uh, and 
uh, Blood Simple, you know, these movies that just take these incredibly simple uh, plot lines, yep. um, but use that in the way, and this is going to sound film schooly and dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway, which is like, they use that structure the same way that you would use the limitations of a particular style of poetry, like, you know, iambic pentameter or whatever it is, mm-hmm. where you have to fucking hit these beats. Or like, if you're, if you're, you know, like if you're writing a haiku, it's whatever, it's five, seven, five, like you right. have to do that. That's what it is. And right. if you're not doing that, then it's not a haiku. And, uh, and blood simple, like on the page, like you can imagine a thousand shitty student films that are exactly the same as blood simple. Mm-hmm. But it's like, this is, uh, it's like with, any great chef, like we were saying, can take like you know noodles, tomato sauce, and a little bit of garlic, and create something that's absolutely otherworldly, right? If they know what they're doing, and that's what these fucking this, that's what these guys do, and they, they do it so like from from the from the get go in their career. Like now, yeah. what really saves it? I mean, honestly, uh, that saves it. I mean, the the, the cinematography is great, et cetera, et cetera. But if it wasn't for the performance, oh yeah, of the. No, the, the 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 two bad guys basically right yeah mm walsh is that, like that's a career classic that is like yeah. the one of the scariest characters in in films yeah. you know yeah. along and with he, the picture and everyone else weird looking guy he doesn't yeah. look dangerous he looks he looks dangerous he doesn't look physically dangerous he looks, he looks sleazy dangerous yeah like he will yeah, do uh, yeah it's like he says in the movie i think it's like, the way he sweats too Oh God, I know. Yeah, the yeah. tactile right. nature of the fucking heat in this movie is just yeah. And just wait, the way that wasn't wasn't he there. also in uh, in uh, what was the movie we were talking about? The Jamaican film, uh, uh, the Mighty Quinn. Wasn't he also the Mighty Quinn? Yeah, I believe he is. Yeah, if I'm remembering, and he plays right. a sleazy, sweaty there. guy there too. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's really, really terrific. And Carlo uh, Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant. He's yep. in. Yep, it's us. Uh, it's us. Chris, no. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm no. Alice is Scorsese. Um, That's Alice's Lunar anymore, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, this is Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant, which is just a right. It's crazy, but he was been he's been a lot, and I actually thought he had passed, but he's not. Is he is he still around now? Yeah, gosh, I think he is still around now. He is 86 years old. God bless this dude. And I'm looking at his. uh, Yeah, he is. He is tremendous. Yeah, he was just in Knives Out. That's right. Uh, you know, Blade oh, Runner, right. uh, Blood Knives Out. I like the, the jerk. Yeah. Oh, the did you hear what oh, that? Sure. Like sequel to Knives Out. How they're the making, fuck do you make a sequel to Knives Out? Two sequels to the Knives Out, and the Netflix just paid four hundred and fifty million bucks for these things. That's pretty amazing. Who did? Netflix. How do you Netflix. make a sequel? Don't it doesn't doesn't need a sequel. Well, that, just make another movie. That that story <laughs> doesn't need a sequel, but uh, I think they're going to make sequels with Daniel Craig as the uh, and. Uh, as the investigator, it's like oh, an, so it's, Agatha, it's Agatha a Christie new, style. It's an Agatha Christie style. Okay, yeah, well. which makes sense. Which makes sense. I like. I, I I've been. I've said it before. Like I'm. I'm not. I I, I can see why people like Knives Out. I like. It's a lot of like. I really like the end of Knives Out. I think that's particularly great. Uh, like last yeah. twenty last half an hour, I think is terrific. I I didn't. Uh, I'd have to see it again. It didn't get me the way it got other people, just because I think it's neat that he structured it the way that he did. Uh, in that list, basically he tells you uh, who like who the killer is and what happened uh, right up front in the movie, which is the uh, the opposite of what you're supposed to do in a mystery yeah. movie. And I think that's really nifty, but unfortunately that leaves like everyone's just sort of standing around complaining that they didn't do the crime. And I'm like, yeah, I know you didn't do the crime. 
Like his accent no, is really there. annoying, though. His accent is really annoying. Oh, I, I think it's pretty you, funny. I mean, it's bad. Well, but it's, but it's so bad, bad that they even call it out in the movie. It's like yeah, you sound like terrible. you know, you're terrible. And so that's the yeah, like, come it's on. Very stylized. Some yeah. of the, the characters were stylized, and the sets were beautiful. Yeah, like but, it's really well yeah, made. I, I really like this. I would like to see a sequel to this that that works better for me than this movie did. But I really liked everything about the movie. I think that's the uh, that's the main thing because I, I would definitely I want this movie to work for me like it did forever and i'm not i'm not i, I like i am really happy that other people loved it uh i just want to have that experience with the same cast and with the same setup i thought it was great and ryan ryan um uh, johnson's an extremely talented guy uh but yeah. uh my daughter uh, like, loved I, it she loves it yeah movie. no people like people that are in tune with it like they love it and i love that they love it i just didn't didn't click for me for some reason yeah um but that being said 450 million bucks for two sequels for netflix i'm like it's, it's a good crazy. day to be ryan johnson that's pretty incredible yeah, like, uh, and also, Ryan, I, I have to. What I, else did he do? I know what else. I, he did a wonderful movie that I loved called Brick. Uh, yes, that's the guy, Brick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's terrific movie. Terrific movie. Ryan um, Johnson. He's done. Yeah, he's he did he did yeah, Brick, I, and he did um, and uh, he did Looper. Uh, uh, Looper, which I also love. I think is excellent. Oh, uh, you know what? We should do Loop. I haven't seen Looper in a long time. We should do that as another. That's time a good time travel. travel. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, that, and that's a great experiment, like structurally experimental movie that I loved. Great, great science fiction movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And he did, um, and he's most famous for doing Knives Out, obviously, and for uh, the middle film of the recent Star Wars trilogy, which is hotly divisive stuff. Right. Um, but I think he's a really, really good filmmaker. Like, he's a really inventive, like, he has his own unique style and voice. And for, right. for some reason, like, Knives Out didn't hang together for me. But I would I would like to like that setup. I think it's it's definitely very good. But, like, that was the thing that made me fall in love with Justin Gordon-Levitt and led me to watch The Lookout, which you and I... I love, love The Lookout. The lookout. If there's any movie by the director of uh, The Queen's uh, Gambit, uh, look up The Lookout. It is it is, is a masterpiece. Yeah. It just is a beautiful movie. Yeah, that is uh, that's one of the great great um, crime films, and and a and a noir, basically a noir. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was part of that incredible uh, performances. Yeah, Gordon Levitt's incredible. It's totally amazing, and uh, that is yeah, it's by Scott. Uh, what's his name? Who did uh, Queen Queen's Gambit? If you like Queen's Gambit, Queen's Gambit. yeah, it's good stuff. But any case, uh, Ryan yeah, Johnson not- also directed several episodes of Breaking Bad. Yeah, he's great. He is legit, he is legit great, and mm-hmm. and he's also he is married to one of my favorite film writers um, named Karina Longworth. If you get to look up her stuff, she's uh, one of the most knowledgeable people writing about film, and she does a she uh, I think she's still doing it, this incredible um, uh, podcast about old Hollywood, and uh, it's oh, really what's the podcast. Oh, you would love this, dude. Hang on, I'll send you. I'll put the link up in the um, in the chat right now. Karina Longworth podcast. This is your jam, Eric. I can't believe you haven't listened to this. You must remember this is the name of the podcast, and you will ask. So here we go. I'm putting this into the chat right now. I'm going to do that. Yeah, you're going to eat this thing up, Allie. Your joint, one thousand uh, percent. And where is there we are? Hey, I'm a, a, just, just a question for you guys. Uh, for those of you in the chat, especially our our longtime friends uh, who are on there, do you guys still listen to this podcast as a podcast, or you just only come to the Twitch? Which is do you fine. come to the Twitch? But, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're trying to get uh, a uh, because we know that the Twitch numbers are pretty good. 
Uh, and well, we were- good considering that, you know, it's like we're asking people to commit the, but there's some people who are starting to watch the Twitch after it's recorded. Right. Or a lot, or more, way more than I thought <laughs> are doing that. Yeah, it's available. Um, so there it is. Right. But if you guys do listen to the podcast, uh, where are you listening to it on if you're listening to it? Because I've actually started now. Uh, I always used to get my podcast from an app called uh, Pocket Cast. Um, because uh, that's just generally the way podcasts are, are are generally broadcast is as an RSS feed. But I recently just started switching to Spotify to listen to all my podcasts. Yeah, and that's actually worked better for me. And I'll tell you why. Because I have Spotify in my car. My car gets Spotify through its internet, and I have it on my phone, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all linked to my account. So if I'm listening to it on my phone, and then I go into the car, I'm at a comes back to the exact same spot that I left off. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's handy. That's much better. So I, it's yeah. always it's pretty handy to do that. I kind of say like Spotify. I was like, huh. Yeah, I, have, like, right. I I watch most of my podcast centric stuff on YouTube now. I have to say myself. Oh, like, and Jason I, just downloads it from our site. Okay, so I you're just getting it right from the feed. Okay, right. Which is fine. This is all good. I'm just curious. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, because I, I, you know, I, from from our end, like I really love doing this on Twitch. I think it's much more, it's much more interesting to just have interaction going People on. People interacting, yeah. yeah. yeah that's oh yeah, no, this Twitch thing is really like it's it's been great. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it's it's a lot of fun to to the, do this. The, clearly, I should probably get like a ring light and get a little makeup because uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't look quite so much. We may like have that. to invest in a in a proper webcam for you at some point. It looks a little um, sketch. I, I look yeah. a little sketch right now. I mean, like mm-hmm. when, because you'd hear this this uh, lovely sort of baritone voice and this professionalism that I'm known for, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you see a picture, and it looks like um, I might be Whoa. a serial killer. Just saying, yeah. <laughs> could yeah. be. You look this like you be... might be a private investigator in East Texas. In podcasting, you're on your own. In podcasting, you're on your own. What are you going to do? But, uh... <laughs> you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's the. Uh, I'm sure to tell him when I see him, which was <laughs> hilarious because that's also implying that he's going to die and see him in heaven or yeah, exactly hell or whatever. Yeah. And not only that, like the, I have to point this out, like the Cohen's fascination with uh, drains and pipes begins there yeah. also because like they, they do noticed, this yeah. a couple other yeah, movies. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Like, this was, is a big basically, they set the tempo up for the rest of their career. You were correct. Yeah, unbelievable. The drain thing I noticed was like, wait a minute. They, yeah, but that's Barton Fink. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all over the place. And even to an extent, it's to, it's a uh, 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 what's the um, Tim Robbins um, uh, hula hoop movie? Hudsucker. Hudsucker. Yeah, it's a lot Hot of pipe sucker. action. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think it's, I was I was so th- I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. This thing, and I was just like, it was so like I said, it was a re-inspiring movie to watch because uh uh like this is a period of filmmaking uh american filmmaking uh because i'm like and now you guys know how much i love tarantino i love tarantino uh and you know how much i love steven soderbergh and i love steven soderbergh but um like the indie film craze of the 90s actually started in the 80s yeah. <laughs> and, yes. and it's oh, absolutely. Was, oh, yes 
Yeah. Like, I, I, it's you kind can't... of like everyone's like the, the craze of like, you know, uh, like, uh, 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 you know, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yes. Started in the 80s, not the right. 90s. <laughs> not Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, 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 Frank Gehry. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone's like, oh, Frank Gehry. Oh, my God. Yeah, the Guggenheim the Museum. Made was like, cardboard, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's not only that, like his own house had chicken wire. Oh, I know. Like, it's around Santa Monica. It. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that and the, and the cardboard chairs. That's, the I cardboard know, chairs, which are like $10,000 made of cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, man, I wish I could think of something like that. It'd be pretty sweet. But, yeah, like that's the that's the thing is like the uh, like it would, the indie scene – Really, because my, it's my, now this is my own personal theory. I don't, I, I don't know if I can even sell people on it, but I really feel like in the seventies, the independent film scene, I mean, there was no real independent film scene the way we think of it now in the sixties and seventies. Like there were indie films being made, but the indie films were being made in the context of like, you know, say Ron Howard made, uh, Grand Theft Auto. You know, it's like they're basically big, shitty, big, you know, cheap B movies <laughs> stuff. Right. right. Um, but things transition to uh indie film the way we think of indie film today because yeah. of um uh uh summer camp uh nudie films in the 70s uh like uh, uh like uh sw- like swing swinging cheerleaders and you know whatever like these kinds of like really trashy uh, but those are B films. Those right? are B, like you're talking. You, you're right. making a difference but between like, okay. So Sundance, low budget, film, actually, low, low budget films can be a B film or it can be an art film. So you call right. more of that the art house film, yeah, right? So the and art house, is like now, the, like art houses in the uh, like art houses in the seventies. Like there were art houses, but mainly art house fair was stuff like Ingmar Bergman, uh, right? Repeat, uh, re-showing so stuff wasn't like this. The first uh, Sundance uh, was it El Norte? Uh, El Norte. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and, that yeah, one. First that, 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 yeah. winner in seventy-seven, seventy. And you know who produced yeah. that? I don't remember. Shep Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you, you know kidding Shep. me? Yeah, you know Shep. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the uh, like I, this I, thing I, is like, about the two people that the two people that immigrated uh, that immigrated from uh, yeah. uh, Guatemala, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, which was a great film. It's on Criterion. But I like the oh. uh, but like oh, that film is powerful. There is a uh, like there's an art like there is an art house scene which sustains from the sixties like it was big in the sixties huge in the sixties in uh, sixties like that when America discovers like uh, you know uh, Ingmar Bergman and Kurosawa and Ozu like that's the sixties right and there's a good strong art house through line that keeps on going in the background but when we think of uh, indie films we think of like uh, the boom the the boom that was kicked off by the 90s with Tarantino and Soderbergh and all the mimics of those right uh, and that stuff really comes from uh, real shitty B movies and bikini movies and uh, and all this kind of stuff from the late 70s which turn into slasher movies uh, because like it's like well instead of just having them at a camp where they have to take their tops off to swim. Why don't we also have a killer at the camp and goes and kills everybody? Like that turns into before taking like, their top off. Before taking, <laughs> yeah, exactly, taking their top off. Like, uh, like this is the through line that that gets the funding for uh, low budget movies. As long as you're producing the B movie thrills, it mm-hmm. gives you room to do the artful things also. And the people that really make that turnover in their minds. Are people like the Coen Brothers, Sam Raimi, John Carpenter to an extent, uh, and like this, like it's through it's through cheap, shitty boob comedies and bad slasher films that suddenly 
young artists. This also happens through Abel Ferreira because of Driller Killer. Like Driller Killer. Yeah, gets- but where, where do you categorize people? Like I remember in the eighties, I saw Blood Simple in the eighties mm-hmm. at because uh, I'm just uh, I'm two years younger than you guys, but still I was. Yeah, and it was at the uh, Lincoln Center. Right. Right? Theaters at the Lincoln Center. In, up sure. Upper, yeah. It was uh, in the 60s. And um, I'm showing my age, guys. And the point is, though, it was like Peter Greenaway. I used to go to Peter Greenaway festivals. And like, and their garment stuff. Yeah, that was we're on 13th Street on the Lower yeah. Fifth. Those right. kind of movies. But those didn't derive from... No, no, not, I'm saying that's a, that's a, that's a separate thing. I'm, I, this is like this that's is what we're talking asking. about low like, budget films that, but they, by the they way, that took me about three ended. minutes to ask that question. Just so you yeah, know. like yeah. this, like this, this, that's the, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's always an art house through line. There's always art house film, right? But right. art house film is very like narrow in how much money it makes, and it's a very narrow in what its audience is. So if you have like mm-hmm. uh, you know Derek Charman, and that's why art house film has to be low budget, <laughs> right? Exactly. So like you take something like you know Jubilee, or you say take something like Jubilee. you know like all that like stuff like that. Like it has a very limited audience and a very uh, limited budget and a very limited venue, but it has a very committed number of people that go to see it the difference is blood simple gets shown in the same theater and because it's basically a thriller makes five times as much money right so the you are like by by uh, agreeing as an artist by agreeing to make something that's essentially trashy b-movie cinema Right by making your your uh, slasher movies or your you know boob comedies or whatever it is, like by agreeing to work at that level, like this is the a real B movie, uh, then you get the money uh, that would go that uh, then you get the, mo- the money to make the movie that is essentially actually Blood Simple is arguably more of an art film than it is a B movie, um, but you get to make it because it's going to make money, like it's going to make B movie money. Right. And right. then it starts getting shown in art houses as well. And that starts developing a, uh, a groove for independent cinema that isn't limited to Derek Jarman fans. Like yeah. it starts opening it up. So like by the time you get to the, uh, you know, Sex, Lies and Videotape, like Sex, Lies and Videotape is an art film, more or less. But people wanted to go see it because the fucking title had sex in it. And they, they were just like, this sounds dirty and fun. And it's not. I went to see it for the lies. I didn't go yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a videotape fan, but I mean, it got in everybody. It was a, it was the three quadrant picture, uh, mm-hmm. but the uh, but like that's by the time you get to Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction, and I want to go see off, Naked Lunch for the same reason. But yeah, I could tell you two things wrong with that. <laughs> but the uh, but by the time you get to uh, Reservoir Dogs, like Reservoir Dogs, that was part of a tradition of high end trash cinema uh, right. that's playing at art houses. And but wasn't the, yes? I mean, what the what's thing. the what's the films that I'm looking at? The, the there's a Tarantino. Not R- Rodriguez does these the slasher yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what, yeah, Rodriguez with um, El, uh, El Mariachi. El Mariachi like, and all right. that stuff. Yeah, like the uh, El Mariachi Grindhouse. Yeah, like Grindhouse movies didn't Grindhouse, play yes. in art house cinemas. And like this, uh, that's my, uh, to sum up my point. Grindhouse movies didn't play in art house cinemas. Art house cinemas played Derek German. Right. And so there is specific cinemas you want to go see uh, very high art stuff. Right. Right. And 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 yeah, exactly. And they would never be caught dead showing the kind of B movie trash that you would see as the fifth run thing down on 42nd Street. Right. Right. But in the 80s, in the late 70s, and in the 80s, it transfers into like, what if we had art filmmakers 
making trashy sounding movies that will make money. And that's when you get Abel Ferrara makes Ms. 45 and Driller Killer, right? And Abel Ferrara is an artist, a literal artist. And, uh, and that is what allows him the big time breakout. Those are great films. Those are right. legit great films. And they're on. So pressure. you're saying that, okay, because it's debatable, right? Because those films kind of started to be seen as art house, even though they're complete, like faster pussycat kill, kill. Yeah, Let's just put right. that out there. Right. Right. That is Russ Meyer's big boobs. Yeah. And it's trash. Right? Trash. Now it's now, now it's, seen now as it's art. art. <laughs> Now it is art. Exactly. Right. And the thing is, I mean, like Faster Pussycat Kill Kill is a really good fucking movie. Like that's a hugely entertaining movie. Yeah. And you know, like in, in every way, you know, but it delivers. Yeah. The yeah. Russ Myers is nostalgic. Yeah. And but there's a that time. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, like there's, I don't think it's like, it's not the level of David Lynch art, but it's like, there's a skill to that thing that the movie doesn't need to sell tickets. You yeah. know, the skill, his skill was casting. It's yeah, it's good. It, exactly. Like there's, yeah, like there's a, there's a legitimacy to the, to the product that you don't need in order to sell that movie. Right. right. And that's how the, the trash and art get merged together. And by the time you get to wild at heart, like wild at heart with Lynch or lost highway or any of that stuff, like that is the app. That's the, uh, that's the epitome of that mix where it's just like this, like if you, if this weren't simultaneously high art, it would be total B movie trash, right. you know, and uh, and that's where it's some of the most for me. It's some of the most exciting filmmaking is being done. But that starts with people like the Coen Brothers, and that's all 1983, 1984, um, Abel Ferrara in 1977, not Quentin Tarantino. Oh, God bless Quentin Tarantino. I'll talk well about him all day. But people go like, oh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, you know revolution for the indie, indie cinema. I'm like that. That's been on the that pot's been on the boil no. for. Many, many, many years before that. Uh, that yeah, he just that. put it on the forefront. He just made yeah, exactly. it obvious to people who were not yeah, paying attention. He's, and he's and from obviously from my point of view, the guy's a genius and deserves everything he gets. Uh, but he was the he was not the breakout. Like he was he he was the popularization of a front right. that was already on the way. And uh, I think I I think he would agree with me on that. I mean, it's just like it's such Blood Simple is like <sighs> I remember people being puzzled by Blood Simple like what is that movie? <laughs> like, I, like yeah. am, am I supposed to treat this seriously? Like, it looks like it's, uh, you know, something I'd see on cable late at night. And then people are telling me that it's like this, uh, this great, great work. I was in college when, for me, I, these two movies, I remember going to see Beetlejuice and Raising Arizona. And I, I had to go back over and over again. Cause I was like, I cannot, it was, they were such fresh ray oh, of God, light. Yeah. Yeah, man, and it was eighty eight, I think eighty eight, yep. eighty. Yep. Raising Arizona is eighty seven, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was in Pittsburgh at the time in undergrad, and I was like, "What the?" I kept going to the theater by myself, and uh, I do remember once like bringing a six pack, and this guy sits next to me, and he's like, "Just make that your last one," and I'm like, "Who the fuck are you?" And he's like, "The manager." I'm like, "Oh." Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just remember like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, the manager. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, yeah you yeah, just bring great. a six pack and plow through those movies like on the fifth yeah. time. No, okay. So, so like, this actually, we should bring it, use that to, I want to bring up quickly uh, that that is the kind of theater experience I want to come back if theaters come back at all. Like, I want that theater back. I don't want the mall theater back. I want like the, the people who are really there to see movies theater back. Because the like, like you see, like you see, raising Arizona in a good small 
uh, small venue with a with a really energetic crowd. Like that's fucking incredible. I just I always remember going to see Blue by myself uh -huh. on 13th Street, and I was in okay. grad school at NYU, and I was like, I gotta go see this on 13th Street. And I went to Sunting and got all my Chinese food, and then I sat in the way back, and then. Yeah. It was open in front of me. So on all the wooden arms of the chairs, I put my different dishes with the boxes open. <laughs> and so it was good. like a buffet. Yes. And I would just like yes. ditch in like yes. a little rice, go to the next one, and then sit down and eat. That's and I just remember dream. people turning around, you know, just like, I was like, what? Do you want some? <laughs> oh, shit. It's like, but the thing is, I man, you're not there to fuck off and be on, you know, like, be on your phone. But it like, smelled like Chinese that. food and like dumplings. Oh, yeah, of but, but you I were dumplings there over there. And I'm telling you, it was a buffet. A I up on the baby arms, baking, some, in front. baking some fish in the microwave. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was totally, it had yeah. the green beans that I loved and, and, the, and the dumplings. And then this, the chicken and it would, and the rice and then the brown rice. And you mix that up and like, oh my God, dipping. but all the arm, all the seats were just covered with sauce. I was like, oh, man. well, I wouldn't sit in the fast. seats, but I would, I would no, never just, that, just pack it up and get out of there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that was, that was the, that was the good theater experience. Like oh, man. doing stuff like, like that. Because I mean, that's the, the thing that like, I don't, I don't never want to argue for the fucking snobby theater experience. I think that's lame. I just want people in the theater that want to see the movie. Like that's the only thing I care about is like, if you're paying the money to get the ticket to watch the picture, then be there because everyone wants to watch the movie together. Not because like it's wasting your yes. time before you go to JCPenney. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but the only way it's going to happen is we have to change the, the economy of filmmaking. I completely agree. Because yes. right now the Explain. incentive the the incentive is you only can make Marvel films and sequels. Yeah, it's oh, fucking so, and so th you're preaching to the choir about that, Chris. I mean, I, right? I know, I know, I am. So the like, so the only way you're going to get a good film experience is if you make good a good cinema experience where you're going to the cinema is if you put good films in there. Yeah, and I don't yeah, want to see I don't want to see a million fucking ads that happened before that, and I don't want to see you know like hear people on their cell phones and just, I, and, and I, it's just, it's not a pleasant experience for me. Yeah, not because, the, a pleasant experience. The, because we now, I wish it like, cause I don't, I, you know, like I, I totally get the idea of like, I, I just want trash to be on while I'm doing something else. That's awesome. But that's what Netflix is. That's what Netflix is for. Like you don't need to go to the mall to do that. You can fucking go, you can watch it on your phone. Now you can be in the mall and watching Netflix on your phone. If you really want that much distraction in your life. You know, but yeah. like if you're going to pay to see a movie, like if you're going to be doing nothing but taking away the joy from other people who have paid to see it, then what are you doing there? It's an expensive way to fuck up somebody else's time. Like, I don't yeah. know what you get out of it. Like, like, if you're paying to see a movie, pay to see the movie. But I think that like the mindset that we're all in, and this is me as well on everything. It's just like the uh i think that like it's totally fine to have trash consumption i think it's great there's all sorts of just junk that i just leave on like that's great you know it's not there's nothing in, in, inherently wrong or dumb about watching things that are disposable like that's part of uh that's that's a style of interaction with that kind of content that i like but that is when i say content that is content that's filler you know that's like styrofoam peanuts filmmaking you know and that's fine and i mean like i can watch marvel movies marvel movies are very entertaining some of them are quite good but like, uh, it doesn't really matter if I see them or not. Like, it's there's no like artistic leap that's being made when I go see you know Captain America five. Like, and I can depend upon it being the last, like exactly like the last time I saw a Captain America movie, which I really enjoyed. So I'm fine with being just sort of that that conveyor belt stuff. However, 
in that that concept has edged out the experience of seeing fucking Mrs. 45 with Eric and his Chinese food, that mm -hmm. is not acceptable. That's what I want. I want to be in right. this fucking blue. It was blue. Remember I'm sorry. Red, white, right. and blue trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I love me, yeah. those movies, man. Right. They're great. Man, blue, oh, blue man. in particular is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! If you guys don't know what we're talking about. We got to cover those movies at some point. And with great shocking. pork dumplings. Yes, forever married together. <laughs> that's right. But that's, I just remember the, I love that, that restaurant so much. I had a, a guy I worked with. We worked for a director together when I was making money, going to school, and he called my answering machine in the West Village, and he's in his Chinese voice, he said, ah, Joe, you ordered, you know, $40 Chinese food. You didn't answer the door. You know, we're so angry. And I just remember playing it like, oh my God, it was my favorite restaurant. It was like, oh, no. I, like, I didn't order the food. I got to run down there. That's like oh, the Seinfeld episode where you get blacklisted at the Chinese restaurant. Because I was so worried yeah, I was going to run to Sun Tiang and I was like, oh my God, I didn't do that. I didn't order food. I didn't order food. And then he's yeah. like, yeah, it's Kevin. Give me a call. I was like, oh, Oh, God. I just oh, always no. remember that. It was like one minute of God, like, you ordered the food place. and you didn't answer your door. I was like, yeah, ah! Dude. Yeah, dude. But <laughs> but yeah, that's that's totally. Blacklisted. Yeah. Like, that's like, but that's the thing, dude. Because I mean, last time I was in, the last movie I saw in New York City uh, was at the Angelica. I saw. Um, I was uh, right by there. I loved oh, it. Yeah, it's great. And uh, I saw uh, uh, Mulholland Drive. Uh, at the Angelica, and uh, we saw I saw it at two in the morning, one or two, one or two in the morning. It was a late show, maybe midnight, uh, with my friend Ben, and uh, like the crowd that was there was like just in love with the even the idea of seeing this movie, and uh, and then it's one of the best movies of all time. I was I, like I'll for, I will forever remember everything about it, like the whole experience, and uh, and that's when you, you know, when you play that when you play the tape of. Uh, David Lynch uh, talking about like watching a movie on your phone. Like that's where I get it. Like where he's just like, it's such a sadness. You know, you think you've seen a movie when you're watching it on your fucking telephone. I'm just like, he's not talking about the fact that the movie is small. He's also talking about that. It's just that he's saying the, like, if you're going to pay the money to see this thing, it should be, you should have the full experience. Like this should be the entire thing. It shouldn't okay, so, be like so. You wallpaper. going there for to see movies and appreciate this form. Mm -hmm. um, where did that time go? What are people filling it in with? Everything else. I and mean, the things that my the only problem I have, I don't have a problem. I mean, I in I enjoy uh, crap filmmaking that's fun as much as anybody. Like I watch, I literally watch uh, uh, NCIS. Like I think that's a super fun show. It's shitbox. I, have you guys like, watched, I'm sorry, Snowfall? I, the new Snowfall is so incredible. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. No, I hear it's, oh. I hear it's really good. Yeah. But like, that's the kind of stuff, like I love popcorn shit like that, man. It doesn't have to be like, like brilliant art all the time. Like I'm totally down with no, that Snowfall argument. Snowfall is great acting. Yeah. The lead is incredible. It's but a like, good show, guys. Like our, like our, our, our sensibility uh, of of what we like of why we are watching something has changed into like it's such everything is so high production quality right now. Like you look at you can watch literally anything on Netflix, and it is a thousand times better than any TV has ever been made ever. Yeah, like yeah. one hundred percent. Right, Dolby and, Vision. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's incredible looking. The production values are sky high. And it's uh, it's all incredibly professional, uh, incredibly professional stuff. Professionally, like everything about it flows, draws you 
in and you can watch any fucking show. You can watch baking shows, shows on duck hunting, shows on anything, and they're all equally well-made and they'll all draw you in. That's what they're designed to do. They're all made exactly the same way and they're all shot the same way and there's no invention, but you're not there for the invention. You're there for the, for the consumption. And that's, I indulge in that 100% and I love it. But what is being edged out because of that is our conception of things like going to the Angelica to see uh, this very special experience with a 200 other people of David Lynch's new movie. And we're all there to focus our attention on this great work of art. That's brand new is gone. Like that's a, that's a social experience that I want to get back. Like that is not the Netflix experience, which is a great experience. Chris, I, question. Do you think what he's saying will come back? No. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and it shouldn't. Not, it's, what, what, why shouldn't it? Because you're what you're talking about is nostalgia, my friend. That is absolutely 100% the opposite of what I'm talking about. No, you are nostalgic for the old days of That is not true. That is not true. That is not true. 100% not true. And I'll tell you why, right? Because I'm not talking about like, oh, the good old days when, you know, people were on their fucking cell phones in the movie theater. Like, that people used to bring today. in good Chinese food and eat right, right there what off I'm the chair. Is being in a room from a, full of people that want to see a thing together is uh, is something I've experienced many times and even recently. Yeah, but you're right. nostalgic for it. I'm not nostalgic. That's like saying I'm nostalgic for good food. It's an experience that I like. It's not right. an experience that I'm romanticizing as used to be good, and now it's totally inaccessible for some reason. I'm just saying, like, well, like the business model doesn't support film, it, so the, I get less I'm of saying it. Is that I'm saying that the, the, the role as an audience has to evolve the same way that filmmaking has to evolve. And I think that that is starting to happen. And there's technology right now, just like there was in movie theaters, that to has changed. share these experiences together again, right? To share it, right. And so there's so ways if, of if doing I were it. Not, if I were nostalgic, I would be against that. But I'm actually totally for it. Like VR, yes. Yeah. Bring it back. I get it. Bring it back. Bring that social experience back. I'm, I don't need to go to a fucking theater that's dingy and terrible right. uh, to have that experience. But I want that experience. If it's in so, VR, so, so in. the idea, and it, we do it here on this very podcast, right. watch parties. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, exactly. We are doing it. We are doing yes. that. And I didn't need that to go to a theater to, to do it. I did need to go to a theater to do it. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, like, I'm not gonna like being in a physical place. I don't give a shit. Like, that's that's nice. But I'm not like I'm not driven for this romanticized vision of that. I want okay. And and partially, partially, here's what I'm thinking. Like, what has happened to the movie theater experience and what's going on with movie theaters is the movie theaters and the incentive and the economy behind what became Hollywood that drives the box office success. Right. That destroyed Hollywood. Right, yeah, and it, and it, it destroyed yes. filmmaking, and, and it destroyed so our I want to burn that shit down with a yes. match and let it all burn, right. including all the AMC theaters that need, like you know, like screw it, it's done. I don't care for that experience, and yeah, I, don't I don't want, want to do not that. Want that back. I want none of that back. So, none so, but enjoying back. films with your friends. Yes, I agree yes. with you, but it doesn't need to be in a movie theater because you know what? Agree. Screw them. I'm totally, I completely agree with you on this. We're talking about the same thing now. So like the, this is what I mean is like the, like as long as we can bring that element back where we're all there to appreciate a thing together and share that thing, 
whatever it is, whether it's like high art, low art, whatever it is, but we're all there to do that together as a group. Like that is the, that is the special experience. I also right. obviously want it to be like as big and loud and beautiful as possible, but you can have that in VR. Like the, you have can, you can have a 70 foot screen in VR. It doesn't matter. Um, right. but like the, uh, but the thing that this, that the, the mollification of, uh, film going has, uh, has ruined for us and that has been extended into the, uh, social media space is treating this stuff as if it is content is destroying our relationship with art. Like, and I don't mean art like high, high falutin art. I'm like, uh, like art, like uh, faster pussycat kill, kill art. You know, mm. like, like our relation, like people will be like, oh, that's like, they're for, you hear this all the time. People of all ages will say this now. They'll just be like, oh, you know, you're just making it so, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Like essentially saying like, oh, that's just being artsy. Just like, yes, it's being fucking artsy. Yes. <laughs> Celebrate. Right. Like, it's not like you don't want everything to be the same fucking chowder house churning it out bullshit. Like you want to be lit up and thinking about things. It reminds me of it reminds me of that the, the art. Like it's funny. I want to get back to Texas in a second, mm-hmm. but and I'll do this. When I was after I graduated from Rice and I went to to, to work and I was at Gensler in, in Houston and there was someone there. I was like, "Oh, you just think you're special because you went to Rice." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Fucking <laughs> work hard to do that." I'm not going to apologize for that. Yeah. Cool. Why? What's wrong with that? And it's, I don't think it's particularly special, but I'm like, yes, I should be. Why should should I sh- be it shamed? Is a special experience. Be shamed to go about the, the education that I got. Right. You should have Yo. just said, "Yeah, I'm special because I'm smarter than you, you moron." That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, I mean, it's it's just so as bad UT, when people <laughs> UT and whatever the fuck is going on there, or, right. or oh no, A like, and M. It was mostly it was always the A and M guys who said that too. Yeah, you like drank this, their, that kind of baloney. The football team is more important than their education and their degree. Yeah. Well, I mean, because the same thing happens in movies where you have people, and this happens with both sides, where it's just like you have art house people that look down their nose and like, I would never watch a Bruce Willis film, you know? And then you have people that watch Die Hard just like, oh, all your arty bullshit, you know? Just like, dudes, open up your fucking minds and watch each other's movies. They're good. You know, yeah. just lighten, lighten up, Francis. But you know? I, the so, thing about, too, is that you, you mentioned that I always used like movies and music as a way to communicate with people and talk to people. And particularly when I used to travel by myself as a, you know, a teen or, you know, go away and travel in like in Europe or something, I was always like, I could sit and talk about, you know, some girl's album with some guy. I remember being on the Charles bridge when the wall fell in, uh, where was I? I was in Prague in 90. Mm -hmm. And I was just hanging out, smoking something with these guys and these girls. Closer, and right? we were just talking about this. Yeah. And we were talking about stones. And I was like thinking like, that's the, you know, any kind of culture where you can just right. talk about something you saw in movies. Yeah, you like This, this made me think something and I want to share. Yeah. What I it's just, I don't know if it's around anymore. I think it's just, well, a, that's, I mean, like, that's what I think, I, is cool. I think it's always there. I think it's always, it's always there. You just have to like, right now it's not happening a lot in movies. Like it's actually happening a lot in video games. 
like video games. Yeah, that's like, probably it. And like I'm, this, this is the no. thing. It's like it doesn't like. No. There's, I'm not. Argue, I'm never arguing for like older movies. There's so much. I don't give a shit about that. Like yeah. I want the new, fresh stuff. And like, and uh, like, it's happening much, much less in film today because the way people think about film is that is not where I get my intellectual stimulation and my artistic stimulation. That's where I get my fucking bag of popcorn to fill my time while I'm not thinking about something, which is also valuable. Like that's also very yeah. valuable. But like, uh, but that, but the actual like, I'm working something out and I'm looking at myself because of the art that I experienced, that's now happening in video games. Cause you watch, look at indie video games and what, and you know, things like undertale and things like uh, disco Elysium. These are like novels, you know, like these are yeah. like real novels that make you think very hard about what your experience is. And like, that's the great stuff. That's the stuff you really need to have in the system. And when you, when the system is built around that and it slowly seeps out and turns into fucking, you know, like the, I love Lucy chocolate making scene. Like that's the way movies are produced. Like then what are we doing? You know, like you have to turn it around and bring it back to actually meaning something, not just being a very well produced time filler. You know, because like, like I think that like, for instance, like Queen's Gambit is a really wonderful movie. I think it's a very, very good movie. Um, but uh, that should be that should be on the uh, lower end of what is great for the year instead of the top end, because that's a, a very good movie. But it, it's not no country for old men. Good. Like it's solid. And that should be the standard. Like it's very good. It's brilliantly written and the performances are exceptional. Right. But that should be the, that should be the, Oh yeah, we all agree that that's excellent. We were all really liked it, but we should have come out, come out of this year with like seven other things that were mind blowing. And we didn't like, and it's, it's obviously that this is a, this is a, uh, and the, the, the year was messed up. No, 2020 was obviously greatly messed up in terms of releasing, but all these movies came out anyway. And the stuff that's like nominated for best picture, you know, it's, it's fine. These are good movies, but I was just like, where the fuck are the great ones? <laughs> like where's yeah. the where's the where's the incredible stuff you know? yeah. and and then so that's when i look back to blood simple and i'm just like this is the stuff you have there's to no make. reason not to make it yes you yes. could have made it yes anyway well, let's here's go another question oh okay go ahead go ahead no, no, I, I you, finish your you just tell me no, when to finish talk. it tell me when to no talk. Oh, God, um, don't be such a martyr my god you're like my mother. i'm not being a martyr <laughs> but just tell me when to talk and i'll look them up no okay uh, what i'm me. saying is maybe just also though the film just come visit don't... every now and then <laughs> how about that uh, it's all masking uh, not too much not too hard oh, the boy. maybe just the film young filmmakers then are just not as you know the language and it's, and the storytelling is, it, is gone. It is happening, right? It is it, okay. A little bit, YouTube, right? It is happening. It, it is happening on I'm YouTube. I'm not stating okay, that. Okay. I'm asking that. The, yeah, it, no, it, but it, look at Vin Vendors. Let's go yeah. to Vin Vendors real quick. Okay, no one's going to make a film like that. That story is very, very, very slow, and not everyone like a lot of people go like, "Oh my god." This movie is so slow, right? Yes. Until the right. end of the world feels like a very slow film, too. If if you're Actually, counting seconds, it feels slow, right? right. But te- but Paris, Texas, is even slower in a lot of yep. ways. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost three hours to film. I think it's two mm-hmm. hours. Two and a half hours. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's 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 brilliant, and the payoff at the end is. By oh, the way, yeah. I was oh. thinking, is that house <laughs> right by you, Chris? Which one? In, yes. In, yeah, the, the, the airport. The, I don't think so. I think that the airport they're looking at is Van Nuys Airport. Yeah, oh, I believe okay. that's right. Yeah, yeah I think they're right. Yeah. 
But yeah, like the pacing. Say, oh, I'm sorry. I was ahead. thinking the same thing, Eric. I was looking for landmarks. Landmark, landmark. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. There's Chris's grill. There's his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it is a house on a hill looking down on the airport, and I have a house right. on a hill looking down on an airport. Uh, but it's not quite. It's right. yeah, I think it's Van Nuys Airport. Uh, I but, used to okay. work right off that runway. Yeah, <laughs> off Van Nuys. I did. Yeah, nice. for Smack Captain. We had the you know, warehouse right. there. Well, let me, I want to, so, so this, this film opens up in big band in Chilingua, Texas. Now I'm going to give you guys a little story about Chilingua, Texas before we even get in there. Right. And it's really, really small town. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. So my, my honor, that first day of that road trip that I told you guys about, uh, we basically, you know, after we were submarining through that, and we were kind of just sort of heading down towards big band on using nothing but, uh, but open two, two lane roads. Right. We're trying to figure out how to get there. I think we got to Fort Stockton, which is uh, probably about one o'clock in the morning or someplace like that. Okay. Uh, we filled up with gas. That, that's what was our first big gas stop that we had to do. And then we went, we're going to head the details down. details you remember from like 40 years ago is like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, 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 I remember this I had Bubblicious and it was pretty good. This, this, this road trip was very. Gently put this it on the road dashboard. trip was very, very memorable. Very memorable. I'm about the, uh, uh, you'll, you'll sort of see why. We, by the way, what I was listening to in a car at the time, we, I had a whole bunch of cassettes, again, same car cassettes of old 1940s radio shows, right? So we were listening to Abbott and Costello, uh, uh, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, that kind of stuff, right? So old radio shows like that. That's what we were listening to. Just, just a quick thing, and I, I'm interrupting. I apologize. No. When you talk about cassettes, I always remember we, my two of my best friends growing up, we lived in this house in uh, Martha's Vineyard with eight. It was eight guys total, and my best friend Wes mm -hmm. uh, drove a 1962 Cadillac hearse, electric blue, mm -hmm. and he had in the front seat tapes you know the tape player but mm -hmm. none of the tapes it was a big like sports bag and no right. tapes had labels so you would just have to reach into me like i maybe it's the specials maybe i don't okay and put it in so there were no labels so whenever you talk about tapes i think of like wes's bag of just tapes <laughs> with no labels and right, you would so, just yeah. kind of reach in and like okay lottery and put it in and be like oh it's the jam or the clash Right. But it was no labels. You can never tell what was what. So you always talk about those cassettes and I always be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so good, dude. But those so, are the road trip stories because we pain. drove all the way up to Lunenburg, Nova Scotia right. doing that. And uh, it was it was pretty tough. So so when we, so imagine we're in this, this town, which is a, one of the bigger towns. I don't think that uh fort stockton is it was on i-10 so it's a stop there and we got gas and we're going down towards alpine texas now you can look it all up on the map if you want to find is it. Is that close to austin oh no way past austin we're in west texas right way way past so uh, austin is kind of central slightly eastern a little bit north we're way down south uh okay. southern texas um and so uh so we're going towards uh this town called alpine so basically you go Fort Stockton and then the next town is Alpine. And then the next town is all the way down to big bend, which is Chilingua, which we're going to get to in a second. But we were, we put, we turned on, uh, uh put on the tape. We put on uh war of the worlds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Late at night, 
pitch black night driving on a two-lane blacktop with nothing around listen to world of the worlds right oh you're talking the uh, orson wells world of the worlds or the Jeff yeah okay no, no. Orson like, wells world of the worlds or the, the cd lopper world of the world oh now that's also no. a great double album from Cindy right there <laughs> yeah. and so we are we've listened to the whole thing and it's terrifying of course and exciting mm-hmm. and we decided it's too late to drive all the way down to alpine so we're going to lit- we're halfway between Fort Stockton and Alpine and we pull over on the side of the highway on the medium side of the highway and uh, decided that's where we're going to go sleep in the middle of the night. So it's probably three or four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning or something like that. Now, like I said, these pictures of Texas and the very long roads, what's very interesting about them is they're very long, flat, and there's no hills on them whatsoever. Right. And so the only thing that's driving down this road at three o'clock in the morning is a semi truck that's going to do a drive. Right. So about every 20, 30 minutes, you'll look down the road and suddenly a light appears, just teeny little light. Right. right. And then you count how, or take your stopwatch and figure out how long until that light passes you, which is about, six minutes seven minutes mm-hmm. right <laughs> that means it's about six or seven miles away right. that that light appeared Whoa. it just means that that light appeared because it came over the curvature of the earth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane <laughs> right that's- so so just that idea and thinking about like that and then trying to do the math of like what's the curvature of the earth for it to be like like it's really kind of crazy to think about that uh and it was quite amazing and it's like you know beep, the light and then suddenly seven minutes later <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then you like move on. And then the other thing is you could hear the javelinas, which are these wild pigs that were all like at night. Really? Kind of terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the wild boars? Yeah, boars, yeah, yeah wild the, boars, javelinas. Which people all make fun of, but that's actually a very serious problem. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're not as big as Russian boars. Russian boars right. are like three or 400 pounds. Javelinas are smaller. They're right. probably about a couple hundred pounds. Yep. Uh, but they have little tusks and they'll 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 they'll, they'll yeah, the fer- feral pigs in texas are actually that's, mm-hmm. really, that's a really serious yeah. issue yeah <laughs> yeah it's a it's a good internet meme but holy smokes those things are really yeah they're but you can hear they, they make these crazy sounds they're like what the fuck is that you're in the middle yeah, of the terrifying. desert you're in the that's middle terrifying. of the desert in, the, in texas and it's terrifying so anyway that was the great experience so then we we kept going got to alpine and then we get to Chilingua, Texas, right? right? The current population of Chilingua, Texas, I have to look it up, is 110 people. Okay. Yeah. But it fluctuates in, 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 in 2015, it was 180, 145. Right. In 2014, it was 86. Uh, 2016, it was 89. So like, you know, it, it fluctuates quite a bit. It's not a very stable population, not necessarily a place that you want to st- really be there for some reason right. the only thing is it's the only place if you're in big bend that you can get gas if yeah, you're so. stuck there right there but is. there's nothing between there's nothing between alpine and chilingua and in fact the other thing you do is you're driving down the road okay imagine you have both your hands on the steering wheel like this as you're driving down the road and you, then you don't see a car for 20 30 minutes as you're driving right right and then see a car passing the other way you do this thing where you lift your hand up like this, mm-hmm. just that's your wave that you, you acknowledge the other cars you're coming right. by. Right. Yeah. You wave the finger. No, no, no. You just one hand. Just, just, what, keeping uh, the hand on the steering wheel, but lifting the fingers yep. out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I always out. thought it was a finger. I had a lumberjack tell me, put your finger up. Yeah, you can do. Like you you're can driving, do that. and then you just go like that. 
Yep. You can do one, you can do that, but you can do the whole, like, and you, I, we did the whole th hand up all the way stuff. Uh, and anyway, so it was quite surreal going there. And uh, that's where the opening of this film starts in Chandler, right. Texas, right. which is quite amazing. Harry Dean's uh, then walking out of the desert. Wearing a Make America Great hat again. <laughs> Basically. Uh, <laughs> a MAGA hat. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's wearing a red, a red, red baseball cap and he's got a suit and tie, but he's definitely disheveled and looks like he's, you know, exhausted and starving from the desert. Right. Yeah, uh, I also should note that this is in Big Bend, which is right. We were, when we were uh, wandering around Big Bend, Keith and I were at the Rio Grande and we were skipping rocks to Mexico. So you can, uh, that's basically where you cross the river if you want to cross the river. Uh, right. Here's, the, here's the question, though. To go through the desert like that, it, mm -hmm. it's pretty hard, right? Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, you die. Yeah. Yeah. So really, realistically, he, he couldn't have survived a long time out there. Well, yeah, well people do it all the time. Uh, and I can get to that part in a second because there was something that happened that there there's when we were in driving through Marfa uh yeah. at late at night the day after that the our, our our trip to Big Ben, we saw these strange lights, aka the Marfa lights, uh that were there, and we couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And then when we sort of drove by, we finally got close enough that we could see it, it looked like this blimp. It was all lit up. It was blimped. It's parked down on the ground and it was all lit up. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Right. So if you look it up, if you look up around Marfa, Marfa and you look up blimp. So what those blimps are, were actually surveillance blimp for people that are crossing the border. Uh, uh, for, oh yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. right. So this is this, you know, be, be before they, they decide to put up a wall, which makes no fucking sense. They basically just had surveillance of uh, yeah. finding people. Most of the fact, most of the guys who are finding people in the desert and doing that, the most of the people, the border patrol people, they're saving them from specifically starving oh, and and right. there's because they're people that yeah. and kids and everything. They're trying to like help these people find some place that they can right. like survive and right. hydrate them, right? Uh, it's kind of um, really sad. I, in fact, yeah. look, go watch El Norte as another example yeah. of exactly right. that situation. Yeah, right, right. Um, but Harry Dean Stanton is 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 in in there, uh, and he arrives and he gets uh, collapses at some uh, uh, general store. Right. Uh, and it's funny how he just walks in and they don't even think twice about it. But then when he collapses, like what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, uh, but. Then he is met by a German doctor, yeah. uh, which, which, okay. So a lot of people don't know this, especially if you're just outside of Austin, uh, there's a huge German contingency in Texas. That's interesting. I didn't know that. You, yes. So, so there's, there's a lot of German influence in Texas. They immigrated a long time ago. And so, uh, can uh, I uh, comment on that one? Of course. Be and you will notice that because, if you take some of the higher uh, notes of Mexican music with mm -hmm. German bumpa music, you yep. have country music. Yeah. So it's the mixture of Tejano music mixed with German bumpa music. And that's how it originated. That's why they use it accordions for Mexican music. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, it's actually a German influence. Yeah. 
And there's town, there's a town outside of Austin called Fredericksburg, which some of the people there still only speak German still. Right. Right. And they've been That's there for awful. generations. That's crazy. So a German influence in Texas is actually fairly common. So I was like, it's interesting that brought, I'm sure Vim vendors did that on purpose, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I do. I, I thought it was a little inside German. joke yeah. or something yeah. about the doctor. I was like, was this him having fun with, I don't know. There was something about it. I just thought yeah, it was interesting. He was being well, playful. Yeah. Right. Right. And that doctor is very sketchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Tried to like, yeah, pay yeah. me for stuff. Yeah. 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 And but so it turns out, yeah, like so, it turns so out. It turns out he, ba- and, and you basically, you know, Harry Dean Stanton basically doesn't say anything. He just collapsed there. Right. Uh, and, uh, and he's very, very uh, sad. And, and, uh, and those of you who haven't seen it, this, we're going to spoil it, but uh, it's still worth every moment of this film to watch it. But it, uh, it is a long, slow film, just so you know. Mm-hmm. And basically, you find out this guy's stuck in the middle of Chilingua, Texas, uh, and uh, they find a business card that uh, on his wallet, and he has nothing else but this business card. And they call it, and it's his, and it's Harry Dean Stanton's brother, who's played by what's the guy's name? Oh, that's um, from uh, quantum leap. People won't yes. know him. Yes. Uh, and also other people know him from blue velvet. Uh, yes. And that is uh, just on the top of my head. Hang on. It's uh, uh, not uh, scared. Um, no, not scared. I'm so embarrassed. My brain works like this now. All right. It is. Uh, see if I can get it before I look it up. Uh, no. God damn it. Where is he? Dean Stockwell. There we are. Dean Stockwell, Dean Stock- everybody. Right. The, the boy with the green hair. The right. Yeah. Uh, and he's, so he's, um, he gets a phone call and he's in Los Angeles and he go and he Was tells he the boy with the green hair? He is the boy with the green hair. Oh, in, 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 in the boy with the green hair. The right. Yeah. That's right. Dean Stockwell. Uh, so, uh, so he's in LA and he, he tells his wife, he's like, I just got a call. They found what's the guy's name? What's the character's name? Uh, yeah, but here's the uh, thing. Go ahead. I, I swear there's a romanticism to his filmmaking that he picks Harry Dean from that same era. And then he picks um, uh, Stockwell. It's almost yep. like, it's like a German's infatuation with America's cinema in the fifties and sixties. And they pull <laughs> these guys in sure. to, yep. to pick, and then they get Ry Cooter to do music. Ry Cooter, and it was yep. like, and it's like, uh, it makes sense to me now because I, I didn't, I, that he was the boy of the green hair. It's like he saw these movies and Harry Dean, you know, was the big character guy yeah. in the 50s, 60s, Brando's best friend. Yep. It's like these guys, that's what, I mean, Harry Dean, like, man- people don't know Harry Dean Stanton very much now outside of Alien, but he was a, he's pretty legendary. Like, big uh, deal. Like, yeah. And Brando's best friend. Yeah. He was you know, Brando's best friend. Like, uh, uh, he had a song yeah. written about him. It was uh, fucking what? He, was, uh, he used to play at the Mint. Yeah. All yeah. The, not far more. Yeah. yeah. Really, really big, big character. In this There's movie. a podcast called Doug Loves Movies, and they talk about movies or do, do fake game show about movies trivia. And <laughs> there's one of the games they play is Last Man Stanton. Now, last man stand. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's interesting is uh, a friend of mine in LA, his old girlfriend, I ran into probably eight. Uh, Eight years ago, I had a party, and we were talking, and she was dating him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Harry Dean. And my head was, like, exploded. I was like, Yeah, no, there's a, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a great documentary on Harry Dean Stanton. Because I, I, I'm, I, like, he is, a, he is a character and a half. And one of the greatest actors, I think, of all time in film. Um, and he was never, never really a leading man outside of this movie. Um, and uh, But he 
uh, as a personality towards the end of his career, especially like just defined this like uh, old style of cool. that was like, you just don't see anymore. Like this, this dude was like the hard drinking, uh, right. craggy faced, you know, like dating, uh, like great stories. Yeah. Stories of somebody who was like, Jason said he 30s. was uh, Dr. Hugh Howard Hughes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was the brain in escape from New York. Yeah, his brand skipped from New York, exactly. But he, he, like, was, yeah, he was the drunken father in Pretty in Pink. <laughs> yeah, keep bringing right. that up. Right. I don't know. But yeah, there's a there's a photo of him that I will never Obviously ever alien. forget. Where it's yeah. like you see, like it's a photo of him. He's with his, I think I forgot who it was. Anyway, like a model. He's girlfriend. also the weird guy in uh, Wild at Heart. Yeah, 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 exactly. So he's tremendous. He had attractive girlfriends even to his late age. Yeah, like he's like there's a photo that you can get of the, the, uh, in the documentary of this guy. It just blew my mind. Where it's just like he is sitting in this in this chair and he's you know he's he's got a suit on. He looks like you know he's a crumpled up faced old dude, but he's looking at it with these searing eyes. And there's his model girlfriend stark naked next to him, and you're like. What kind of fucking life are you leading? Yeah, <laughs> like, what is happening for you, my man? Yeah, like, that girl was attractive. The guy yeah, yeah. she used to date, I won't say her name, but yeah. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. I, I had a yeah. new respect for Harry D. I was like, yeah, very, very old style character. Right. That, like, you just don't, I mean, for goods and bads, you don't see that kind of guy anymore. And it's, uh, it was really, nah. it's very, very stark. It's very stark. So to see him, like in Paris, Texas, he plays a very, uh, like not that he plays the opposite of that, more or less. Like he's yeah. a very, very minimized, very low key. Well, so, so he, so basically, he his his brother says, "I got to go get my brother," right? And he right. goes to Texas. At which point, this turns a little bit into Rain Man, in a sense. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so they're like, "No, we have to go back to L.A." Right? But then he tries to get him on a plane, and he won't get on a plane, so they have to drive. And he's not even talking. Right? They're not. And then at one point he finally starts talking, et cetera, et cetera. But realize that Harry Dean Stanton has been missing for four years and that he has no idea what's going on. He keeps asking him, tell me what happened. And then the guy says, he doesn't say anything. He says, okay, well, I'm just not going to harp on it, but he keeps trying to figure out what the hell happened. Right. You also find out that uh, he has a son who his brother has been uh, raising. Taking care for, of him. Yeah. For him for the last four years. Right. Um, and so they, and the son is seven. So they, he basically been raising him since he's three. His son doesn't really know his father. He's never really right. know him at all. And the father seems to barely remember anything. Right. They also get a weird hint. That's only mentioned once at the very beginning of the movie from the, uh, from the, uh, uh, doctor. He goes, was your brother involved in a horrible car accident? Right, right. And he said, not that I know of. He goes, well, he's into some bad shit then or something right. like that. And something, they're like, something, something bad past, happened yeah. to him. And I was like, right. okay. Uh, so anyway, so we, that's the only time you sort of hear that and you find out much later what The happened. full story. The right. full story. So anyway, so basically what happens is now he's, he becomes, you know, he's slowly, it's, it's a little bit of a, like I said, a rain man situation or someone with autism and barely talking and you're trying to get to the bottom of it. And he's trying to come to his wits. Like he's obviously experienced a massively traumatic emotional experience and he's trying to, you know, regain some, some, uh, uh, some sense of, of what's going on right. uh, and in, in Los Angeles and he's 
you know, living with his brother and his uh, uh, his sister in law, and she's French. She's which is a, a choice, right? Definitely a choice, right? That's definitely strong a choice. French accent. Yeah, yeah. she's also very very accepting in a lot of ways like much mm -hmm. more supportive of like oh i feel really bad for this guy as opposed right. to because it could be like who the fuck is this guy and yeah, you know what you know <laughs> exactly bring some dude home and obviously something's wrong with this guy or whatever uh well obviously we know that she knows him but she's you know she could have been like oh he needs our help and we can be with him right, right? and then what's also starts to happen is that he there's him trying to rebuild the relationship with his son and mm -hmm. not knowing how to be that person. He right. doesn't know anything about being a father. Yep. And, and it captures a, this really beautifully. Like this is it, actually very, very gentle. And, and very, oh, yeah. it's so great. And first yeah. of all, the kid, you're like, oh, okay, so it's a kid act. The kid actor is superb. Yeah, he's, he's terrific. one of the terrific, fantastic yeah. For 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 that performance. Now I know yeah. it's very well directed and everything else. Uh, it's hard to get that though. Even if you're a great director, like the, yeah. like kid performances will slip through your fingers. And but he absolutely gets this kid in exactly the right zone. Their relationship, him and uh, and Stanton, it's like one of the great uh, father son things I've ever seen on film. Right. Like it's it's so genuine, yeah, beautiful. It's really 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 incredibly well rendered. Yeah. 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 And there's um and he they he the the his brother tries to you know stimulate some memory because he's trying to get him to remember some things in his life right? right so he makes him watch some old super 8 films uh that they have uh and so they're playing them and uh he's like oh that's pictures of him and his wife and the little boy right and the little boy's like yeah, i've seen this before and then so it's like yeah but you know they're basically trying to get him to remember and they're looking at it and uh, he goes, I guess that's you, you know, I see you. And so the, the son sort of remembers that and they're trying to rebuild the relationship. The son is definitely embarrassed by his father for a little bit, but then they start to really bond and, and, and develop a friendship uh, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And it's quite, it's quite nice. Yeah. Quite nice. Really lovely. Absolutely. Um, and then the wife, his sister-in-law tells him, that she has been in touch with with the woman his his yep. his wife who's disappeared yep. so you yes. know that basically he was married to someone mm -hmm. they had a kid together and then, the two people the two the two uh, the two uh, uh the the two adults left disappeared right. dropped the kid off at the, the kid was dropped off by someone in front of their house yeah right and they raised the kid, and they have no idea where the two adults have gone. Where the, so, where the parents are, right? Right. And then so the, you're, like, you're, you're sort of assuming that she's dead. You're assuming right. that she's dead or something. Right. I don't know uh, what happened, right? right? But then the, right. the, the sister-in-law says, the French woman says, she called. I, didn't, I promised not to say anything to, to her husband. And goes, he, she called, uh, and she was checking in on the boy and telling things happened, but then she stopped calling, mm -hmm. but she did do this one thing. She opened up a bank account in the name of the boy and, and puts money into it. on the fifth of every month, she puts some amount of money in it, be it $5, $100, $200, but at the, the fifth of every month, she does this. And it's a bank, and she says, "I traced it, and the bank is in Houston, Texas." <laughs> yep. 
So he so he knows that every fifth of the month, she goes to this bank and deposits money. At which point that you pretty much figure out, I was like, okay, if he's going to find her, that's his lead. That's where he needs to go. He needs to go to Houston, Texas. At which point he finds the boy as he's been doing after school and they have lunch together and he tells the story to the boy. At which point he says, the, you know, I'm going to go find her. And the boy wants to go with him. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, when are we going to go? And he says, right now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That right now. And you have, and you, you know, and he goes, all right, let's go. The kid's all excited. It's an adventure, right? Right. I, I, the, this, this film, this film really affected me uh, in a lot of ways, uh, way more now than it ever had, because I hadn't seen this film since I became a father. Oh yeah. And it's when, a totally different experience. Uh, a, sure. right. it you know? Yeah. So, in, in two ways, because like, it's like the scene where he says like, you got to tell your parents, you know, that this is what's happening. You know, right. like you're not the real father. And that is just a, a really horrible. Like, like it's really scary. Yeah. Uh, and there's a scene where basically they've already driven and he's basically the kid's missing for a few hours. The parents are worried. Of course, right. they're not his parents. Technically, right. They're his guardians. But so, uh, they, the, so one half of you, but the kids been calling the them mom and dad. The kids been calling them mom and dad, right? Right. So one one half of you is reacting the way that those that mo that mom and dad are, which is like right. you're fucking running away with my kid. <laughs> right. It's like what the hell is this? And then it, you know? right. And the and, other half is the connection between Stanton and his son is very palpable. Right. And so, it's like, really the, really the hard to watch that. It's yeah. really hard to watch that because, but then he calls him from a payphone uh, in San Bernardino. The kid, the kid does. He makes the kid do it. He makes the kid do it, which I right? think is great. Which I think is really great. Right, and you know, then, and then the mother, he's like, "Here I am. I'm doing it." The kid basically tells him what's what's going on. Can't you do it for me? No, no. Nope. You got to be the one to do it. And so he does it. And then the and the, the mother gets get very upset, mm -hmm. and and she's like, "No, you come home right now. You come home right now." And he's looking at his his real father, and he mm -hmm. goes, "I don't know what to do." I don't know what to do. And he says, just hang up, just hang up. Right. And he goes, okay, bye. And he hangs up and it's a, oh, I, I, the emotions I, are going in every which way. Oh, like, oh, no. <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. So yeah. powerful. I right. mean, and then, and then the scene where they're in the motel room, he goes, I never heard her so sad. Right. It's like, yeah. Oh God. Um, yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. So yeah, like, it's really powerful. They, they end up They end up going there. Right. And Dan is Houston, and and then the thing is that is what's really interesting, right? If you 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 think of Texas as Chilingua, Texas, mm -hmm. right, which is a teeny thing, but then they go to Houston, and it is a very very modern city, like, mm -hmm. and they're doing they they specifically film it in downtown Houston, which is extremely lush and modern, and right. and you know, and the bank is a drive through bank, and it's all metal, right? right. It's, it looks it looks like from the future, right? Yeah, and it's, it's totally alienating compared to the rest of the movie. It's like this right. totally different experience. Right. But it's a drive-through bank. It's like, and they're in fact they say, "Is this really a bank?" And they're like, right. "Yeah." So they have walkie-talkies which they use, and the boy sits on the ledge, and they're going to watch. They're going to watch all the people slowly drive through the bank to all the drive-through tellers to see what's happening and see if they can identify them. And the boy identifies the mother because he remembers it from the video. 
the mother is uh, Natasha Kinski. Natasha Kinski, right. Who also played in Cat People, right? Yep, that's right. So and in was, Tess by Roman Polanski, which is excellent. Yes, so yeah. she's she's a she's she's known for being a very good actress and also a very beautiful woman. Yeah, uh, uh, and and she's significantly younger than uh, than Harry Dean Stanton, uh, also. So she was very young, right? <laughs> Um, Dave 3D guy chipping in with the unlikely pairing of Harry Dean Stanton with Natasha Kinski gave hope to men everywhere. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there's a fiction to the film. It's the, the thing is, like, Harry Dean Stanton in real life was living that life. Like, he was definitely yeah, right. like, yeah. And so, like, in reality, it's not unrealistic at all, but it's right. just like, it's it's still like they're the big disconnect between these two, just visually. Like, Harry, Harry Dean Stanton looks, I think he looks even older and more ruined you know, than he even was right. <laughs> in this, yeah. in this particular movie, he looks really, really, really beat up. So, so they do, they do this scene. Basically she's driving a small Chevy uh, hatchback, uh, which is bright red, which really helps by the way, in this to, because you can help pick it out in the, in the crowd as they're driving away and they're going through the Texas highways and Texas highways are very complex. In fact, the highways in, in, especially around Houston, uh, are even more complex than than most Los Angeles ones. They're yep. they're quite complicated, um, and it was kind of so. Basically, they're trying to find it, and they they tailing the the car, and they drive to an area of town which is much more rustic, shall we say? Uh, and uh, they Harry Dean Stanton sort of says, "Okay, we found the car." Less, you know, he tries to see where she is. Um. At which point he tells the kid to stay in the car and he goes inside the building and finds out that it is a, uh, basically a strip club mm-hmm. sex, a peep show, peep show, it's a peep show house, yeah. it's a peep show house. Yeah. So it's a strip club during the night and a peep show during the day. Mm-hmm. And you, the way that those works for those of you who don't know what a peep show is, is you basically go into this small area and you have a mirror uh, or you're, you're, it's basically like an interrogation room, except that you are the one that's actually on the other side of the mirror looking in on the girls. Right. And they're, the girls talk to you over the phone. They can't see you, but they talk to you over the phone. Right. They see a mirror and you get you see and them. And they perform whatever you request on, right. on your role playing that's going on. That and what's uh, just to point out, the, the way that this is set up, like each booth has its own sort of theme. And so, like, well, the one one booth he goes into is like poolside, and like the room on the other side is is dressed up to look like like a, a DMV, yeah, <laughs> like, and it's like it, it's meant to have this this right. particular kind of flavor. One and one they go through that says hotel room, right. you know, and you're looking into a hotel room, yeah, right? Like, which is which is part of the flavor. Of what's happening? Well, Harry Dean, uh, uh, sorry, so Dave Tudi says that Harry Dean was 39 when this was shot, which is he true. Does not, yeah, he, he looks does not older look, than he, he look looks, looks older he than looks, any of us. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks, looks like, like he's a in a Marlboro. Right. And Natasha Kinski is supposed to be 25, and she definitely looks that age. Yeah. Uh, so he, by the way, we should note that he identified her on the upstairs area by looking at her from behind. Um. Uh. By and then then he went to the peep show and requested a blonde woman with short hair. Gets the wrong blonde woman with short hair. Goes to another peep show. Requests another blonde woman with short hair. Finally gets her. She, of course, like he said, like we said, cannot recognize him because he doesn't see him behind the mirror. Mm-hmm. But she starts talking and he's like kind of 
in shock and talking to her. And she says, well, maybe I should take off my sweater or get naked. And he goes, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Right. Cause he doesn't want that experience with her. He doesn't want that to happen, which is kind of an amazing thing. But at which point he realizes like I did, this is what she's doing. She's doing this. Uh, and this is how she's making her money. Uh, he leaves there. The goes back to the, with his son and they drive off at which point he, they're about to go wherever they're going to go. And he pulls over to a bar and gets drunk with his son at the bar uh, because he's upset. And that's a very sad scene, very sad scene, and especially since his son is holding him up as they're trying to go back to yeah. crash or whatever. Uh, and it's very, very sad. Uh, and then they go back. They, they were, by the way, they were on their way back to LA when that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, sorry. They end up going back to Houston. I'm just not going to get too much into it because otherwise I'll just get too much into it. They end up going back to Houston with Harry Dean Stanton's plan. Mm -hmm. And his plan uh, is that uh, he, the boy needs to live with his mother, his real mother. Right. She needs to be back and have that relationship going. Right. And, so he gets to talk with her again. Well, no, no. He leaves the boy in a hotel room, in a very right. nice hotel room uh, in Houston, in the, in the downtown area. And leaves a message to the boy, basically giving him his goodbye, which is also extremely yep. sad. Yep. And then you go back, he goes back to the peep show. And this is like the scene. This is like one of the most classic this scenes in movie making scene. ever. The it's the film. It's the scene. This yes. whole film, you've been going for two hours, yeah. two plus this, hours. This is the scene in this film. This is amazing. And in fact, like I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put in chat. I have, I saved off a screenshot. Of this is one of my favorites. Uh, I think I can put this in. Can I put this? Uh, maybe I can't. You can. I, I don't no. know if I can. No imagery. Maybe I can't put imagery in here. Okay. Let me let me send a quick link uh, in chat about this shot. Um, uh, There's probably a link to an image that you can put in. Yeah, I'm going to put a link to an image. Let's see. Right. Uh, it's Texas. This one shot, if I can find it, is Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, looking at her through the glass, and it is one of my favorite. I don't have to see it, but like, so to describe it, Harry Dean Stanton is looking through the glass, the one-way mirror, uh, at her. She's leaning up close to the mirror. He leans in. Her face is mostly is is basically completely in darkness. Her hair is lit up, so you can see that much. He leans in, and his face lands right over her face when you cannot see her face you can only her see reflection. him and the, the reflection the reflection of his face overlaps her face and it is one of the most like Beautiful. it is unbelievable and the first time i saw it i was like well that's that's in my brain forever now that is yeah. amazing yeah it's unbelievable yes. yeah I can't, I can't find the particular image but yeah when you see this movie you'll know exactly what i'm talking about it's such a knockout it's insane the thing, so what happens in this scene, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to spoil it anyway because yeah. it's just gorgeous. Uh, but what happens in the scene is that, you know, they start this relationship, this sort of thing, and she's like, okay, we're doing this thing. And she can't recognize his voice, right? Somehow he's not, he's not recognizing his voice. Right. Is basically, she says, wait, she says, you're the guy, you were here before, weren't you? Like she recognized him from the previous visit he had a few days right. before. And he, he goes, yeah. And then so, she says, okay, well, you know, she basically hints, is like, I just want to talk. I don't want any. And so she's like, that's cool. You know, I can do whatever you want. 
you know, it's your dime. And uh, he says, I want to tell you a story. And so he starts to decide, we'll tell a story. And she's like, okay. And he starts to tell the story from a third person of their lives. Of what happened. Of yeah. what happened in their lives. Right. And he's doing it very subtly that it sounds like a normal everyday story. Mm -hmm. And it takes her a long time to realize that this it's her story. her story and his story. Yep. And she says their story goes really, really poorly. He mistreated her really, really badly. Mm -hmm. um, and basically he, uh, she left him and burned him when she left. So she thought she thinks she killed him. Mm -hmm. um, and when she, you see her face start to change. And this story is a long story, by the way. Yep. So you see her just listening and listening and listening. And you see her start to change and realize who she's talking to. And, and you're realizing not only who she's talking to, but what happened to her in her life at the same time. Right. So you're realizing what, how she must feel yep. that this guy is there now, right. right? And that basically he's apologizing to her and for all the horrible things he's done to her mm -hmm. and explaining all this stuff. And it's just unbelievably powerful, powerful, powerful. Yeah, brilliant scene. One of the great scenes. It's, it is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, anyway, he, he ends up doing the right thing, uh, or at least feels like he's doing the right thing, uh, and putting, uh, reuniting her with her son mm -hmm. and leaving. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> Do you he, like that ending? I'm, I'm upset by that ending. I'm not sure what I feel about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I've always, it's always like, kind of made me. Because I'm like, I don't know if that was the 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 right right thing to do but like unless a, he's one of those guys that is like i'm a bad person no one could i can never really change i'm just a bad person at heart and if i can just do this and leave then at least i've got some goodness in me but i can't stick around i think that's what it is right yeah like, like, I think, he, I think, he doesn't know that he can be a good person he barely right. can be a good father right right Right. And so like the like the growth that he goes through, like we know and we understand that he is a changed person, but he doesn't trust that he is a changed person and thinks that he will only do, do bad for the boy and thinks that, you know, uh, the, the boy's life with the former parents is not enough. Um, so he is returning the kid to his mom. And like that is not necessarily the right thing to do in that kind of situation. However, it, like emotionally, it follows through with what has happened in the film. Right. And so, like, it feels like something, something good has happened here. Like, and we know that the, that she's in touch with the mother. So it's not going to go wrong, but it's a very strange way for it to have ended. And I like the fact that it's strange over it being a pat ending where like everyone gets reunion and everyone comes to a blah, blah, blah. Like, like I might much rather have like this sort of like leading on, on the audience to go like, well, how do I feel about that? Like I'm, I was with this whole story and this was the decision. And then he drives away. Like, I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know. But like, it feels like the movie continues in me when the movie ends rather than giving me a tying a bow 
uh, on the story and saying, and then they find a big bag of money and she doesn't even have to worry about being in peep shows anymore and everything's fine. You know, it's like, no, it's, it's fucked up. And we just, we, the window closes on this, on this moment right. you know, for us. And we don't know what's going to happen out of that. And right. there's enough, there's enough good to believe that it could be good, but there isn't any, any more information. And you don't get, it's not like you get to see like the parents reconnect with a kid or anything. Like that's just out of the picture. Did you guys and ever think that, that's a really good point? Dan. Do you ever think that like there was watching this? I love Joaquin Phoenix. There was a kind of a kind of an aura, like the way he carried himself was very like yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. The same that's, type that's of an interesting point. the, the yeah. way the em empathy comes from the character and and right. the way like they yeah because like they you carry themselves that. they carry themselves silently. Yeah, like yeah. very similar. And Phoenix has the same sort of very like like very uh, gentle but dangerous feeling to him. Like there's yeah. something like there's a sketchiness about both of those actors uh, that makes them incredibly compelling. If you were if you were simply like I'm the kind former father who comes back in and makes this happen, that would be a thousand times less interesting. Like he is clearly still an alcoholic, uh, like a practicing alcoholic. He uh, is making terrible decisions about just ripping this kid away from his, you know, basic, you know, like his actual parents. Right. Uh, and then just let I me mean, like, so you can't feel solid about that, but that's why you get Harry Dean Stanton. Like it's believable that he would make all these poor choices Right. And it's believable right. that he was a bad man, but you also feel this profound compassion for him, which if it were any other actor, you wouldn't. And I think Phoenix what works the same way. Like there's a I gentleness think, yeah. to him. Yeah. I think I think there's something okay. So I I realize that we just told the entire story mm -hmm. and forgot a major thing about the story that is is a side story, mm -hmm. but an important part, and that's the Paris, Texas itself. No, yes, that's right. Paris, Paris, Texas. Why is it called Paris, Texas? Because there is a town in Texas called Paris, right? There's right. a lot of that that happened in like Athens, Georgia, right? But this Paris, wow. Texas is a small town in northeastern Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of a dingy, run-up town. And the the story of Paris, Texas is that uh, you find out that Harry Dean Stanton's character bought some, an empty lot mm -hmm. in the town of Paris, Texas. And the reason he did is that somehow his mother or his father said that the first time that his mother and father made love was in the town of Paris, Texas. Right. Right. So that's where he was created. He believes that that's where he was conceived. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why he wants to go there and that's there's an attachment there and having a have a piece of that have, have a, a piece, piece of that, that. beginning right but his we also find out that his father was a really terrible person mm -hmm. to his mother mistreated his mother right and kept saying like yeah i met my wife in paris Texas, <laughs> right? And so he, he makes her. He makes her sign when he says this. A, what's a? There's a whole conversation I have about what's a fancy lady or whatever. Right. That was quite, and basically it's like how his mother, who he respected, was really, you know, not really well uh, uh, respected by his uh, by uh, by his father. Right. And that is. That is basically saying why he is the person that he was, right? 
there's always a little bit of that that's going right. on in here. Yep. Uh, and somehow the land in Paris, Texas was something that he was going to do. Like somehow they was going to do something there. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's that, that's so the whole Paris tech, the Paris, Texas theme, there's something deeper to that story that I'm not getting at. I haven't quite put the pieces, but it's an well, important sort of, part of the character a, that's involved. Yeah, there's this sort of like, there are a couple of things in this movie that run in the background. One is that sort of like getting towards the root of why you are here and why you are the way you are, you right. know? And like, cause they have like the big bang conversation in the car, right? Benton and the kid, you mm -hmm. know? And like, there's a, like, and you can see from this separate story of like, why was Harry Dean Stanton like this? Uh, and then you go, oh, it's because his dad was like this. Like his he his dad for, like played out like this is how. No, man, like, but, but but the way, but listen, because when you you only find out that Harry Dean Stanton was that way when he tells the story to Natasha Kinsky. Right. Exactly. Right? But you only find that out at the very end of the movie. Most of the time before oh, yeah. that, you, he's like Rain Man, right? Like he's totally. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Well, that, but that's the thing. It's like, I mean, this thing, the, like the movie is very. Like, it's just letting these things out. It's not like telling you these things in a particular order so you have a particular emotional response. It's just sort of like putting them out just whenever it can and not in any particular order. And then it's after the movie is over, you're like, wait a minute. So this and this and this. And like these things sort of start connecting your mind emotionally. Right. And then like, as you think back through the movie, the movie retroactively makes more sense. Uh, and I think that's a good way to do it. I mean, like, there's also like, there's, there's a, like you brought up a little bit earlier, like there's a, there's a touch to this movie that is about the artificiality of movies, right? Like yeah. you have this, uh, like, like for instance, the first time you see, um, uh, the, uh, the brother, you know, he's working, he, he makes billboards for in Los Angeles. Movies, and, yeah. And so he's making movie billboards and this like awesome shot of him, like standing over this giant Yentl poster <laughs> yeah. just like yeah. what the fuck is this huge right and like and so like there's that like there's a there's a weird there's a this undercurrent of like what is like what is behind the world what's the like there's the oh. there's that's even better than that it's even better than that because there's the yentl poster which you see but at the beginning he's taking the phone call and there's a background i forgot what it's like a city background or whatever and then you think he's in the middle of a city but then when the shot reveals back it's actually a billboard of a city. So it's, it's like a map painting, but you never even realized it. Exactly, right? <laughs> do and you think that helps push your thing uh, the way you think? Because there is this, this angle. You're, that, you're coming at what I was going to say. Go ahead. No, so hold on a second. There's an angle <laughs> where maybe not, Dan. You have a better insight. But the point is there's this angle that you, Harry Dean is irresponsibly taking him away from a loving mother. Mm -hmm. And mm – -hmm he's persuading this boy to leave. But at the same time, you have to look at, even though she has the facade of a parent and a mother with his best intentions, right. what is that world he's in? Right. And what does the father and represent? Right. And the purity of, of what he was doing far outweighs their life. Yes, right. So and are that, you, at first you're like, hang up the phone. You're like, oh dude, it's like kidnapping. But By wait. the time you go through it, you're like, you know what? He is a loving father and a right. lot better than his brother. Maybe there's well, something, there's there's something actually more than this. On, right? There's definitely a lot more because hold on a second. And I'm trying to and like, and, and, and I think about it this way, right? He, he takes his, he needs to reconnect 
he basically what he wants to do is repair the relationship that his wife had with her son. He yes. needs to make he needs to apologize for that what has done the, what has happened there. Mm -hmm. So he needs to do that. He can't just go to Houston by himself mm -hmm. and do that. That's not going to work. If he brings the boy with him, he reconnects the two of them. Now, the question is, then he takes off because he's like, I've done that. I apologize for everything. Now I got to step away and let that happen because I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't try to rebuild a relationship, but hold on a second. Right. Tell. But she, we know that she continued a relationship with the mother in LA, yes. the other mother. Right. Right. So I, at least in my mind, I want to assume that the mother now says, Oh crap! Here's my son. And by the way, the uh, yeah, I mean, reunion gonna out, right? reunion is going to like she's going to take the son back to L.A. because that she can't right. be a work a peep show and raise a son in Houston, right? That's right. not going to work. <coughs> so, then in, in the same way, like there's all, there's also no way that it doesn't change her life at the same time, right? Like it's as massive. That's right. right. He's giving her by hearing that she's saving money for the child. He's right. giving her the purpose in her life that she really wanted. Right. And right. it's like if he's escaping the bottle, she needs to escape being the whore and have been lost. And you give the child back to you. You right. have the purpose and love in your life because right. you've right. done half of it. You're putting the money away and you're making that a ritual. Now, so you it's, know that. That's what the, the movie is, is, is essentially asking you to move beyond this. The, the facade you've built for yourself, right? That's like, mm -hmm. the, like, and like, and the way that it does this is through these like m notably move, like calling attention to the moviness of things moments, like the, like the, the city that's, a that's not a city, you know, like, the, a billboard. The, like <laughs> it's a billboard or more. My favorite thing is the fact that like all of those peep show windows look in on these sets, like it's, yes. sets. it's a movie set. And okay. the best thing fantasy. Right, the, my favorite bit in that movie is when, when the camera finally moves inside that set. Oh, when you see it, you see it from the Aubrey point of you view. You see it from her point of view. Yeah, they right. haven't even fucking made the wall around the mirror like right. a wall. It's just like fucking, you know, uh, it's 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 studs and, and it's insulation. insulation. Right, like like this, like and suddenly you're like, I'm on, I'm on a set. This is a set. Yes. Like and uh, and this is a, like this is a this is an entirely constructed the, event. The, the entire concept right. of the peep show is is so brilliant in right. this film but right. it takes it, it is it is a long slog to get there but you can't do it without that long slog right yeah you can't no, it's, sort of, it's, it, it yeah. puts you in that moment and this is what i to connected to what i was saying earlier like there's a nerd writer actually just did a great piece on this where he was talking about the uh, pandemic um uh, the pandemic and tarkovsky movies right and tarkovsky movies are insanely slow movies. they're incredible oh, yeah like uh, and they're some of my favorite films. They're incredibly, incredibly uh, languorous in how they work. Uh, and there is something about that that doesn't make you smarter to enjoy that. But the thing is that the movie allows you to the time to think about what is happening and to to dig in yourself about how you feel about stuff. Like that's what these movies do. And like mm -hmm. to create an environment with this film, which gives you the breathing room to have the experience, the experience you are having is the movie. Not, it's not the movie forcing an experience on you. It's saying, we don't have to be, a, we don't have to be a movie movie. Like we're letting you look behind the movie in you towards how you actually feel about something. Like that's the mechanism of the art. 
And then the movie points that out. It's like, yeah, well, you can treat this like it's a peep show and you're looking in on these lives of Harry Dean Stanton and the boy and all this stuff. Or you can sort of get behind that and see what is actually going on for you and, uh, and what is, what is happening for you. And I think that that's the, that's something that is hard to, uh, make today, you know, because there's no venue for it today. Uh, most people that are going to watch Paris, Texas, they're going to watch it on streaming and more than likely they're going to pause, watch more the next day, or they'll text while they're doing it or whatever. Or they're going to pause and say, did you cook the chicken tenders? Right. Yeah. And and bring ketchup in. We're watching. You know what? I I do this Chinese food on here. Yeah, but, yeah, but can we put but it in the, the front row? That's, that's a perfect <laughs> armrest. Because the fact is that, like <laughs> Eric brought the Chinese food to the theater, the movie's not going to stop for his fucking Chinese a, food. A like it's, effort, it's part okay? of that experience. A for effort, yeah. right? And like, and it's it's investing your intention in this completely that gives you that that pays you back with depth within you. That's the whole idea. That's the functionality of it. What's well, the was the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, sorry? Keep going. Keep no, going. I was just saying like that that the the patience that you invest in something like this is paid back because it gives it gives you a context with within which to examine your own feelings uh, yeah. about the subject, and that's that's something that's hard to have right now. It's an experience that's difficult to have right now because we don't have venues for it. And, uh, I, I really, I, and we don't, and we don't, uh, create, like, we don't create situations in which it's acceptable to do that. And some people just make fun of it. Like, oh my God, this movie's so fucking long and slow. You know, like, 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 like you should be able to. It was a good Chris impression. (laughs) But I like, that's, that's the thing. I love slow movies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like you want to, like, I want to, uh, I, if I were Vim Vendors, like, or David Lynch or whatever it is, like. I'm the reason why I'm doing this this way is so you have the maximum experience like of what I'm trying to do here. And I would like for you to engage with it on those terms. Uh, And if you don't, you watch it on your phone, you're, this is what you're losing out of that. You know, like that's, that's the difference. I mean, I definitely recommend you guys watch it on a, on a, on a, on at least a a 55 inch TV. If you, if you, if that's possible. Yeah. An OLED TV. If you, if you happen to have that. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, your laptop, your laptop is acceptable if it's close to your A quick thing. Dan, you said earlier, oh, I know where you're going. Did I answer the same way or did you have another idea? Yeah, no, you're like, yeah, like I, I was going to bring up also the, the, like the, the extra sort of like, there's a. So you're going to uh, take my ideas. Okay. That's yeah, fine. No, I just but, want to clarify for the audience. I'm just saying I tried yeah. to read your email before. Maybe, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can get into it later. What was your, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, anyway. like his, I like his commentary though about where we're going. And I think subliminally, that's why you, when you see that, you kind of are like, at least in the 80s, and I look back the way I thought when I saw it in the theaters in New York, you go to the, and it'd be like, you couldn't pin the message because I wasn't mature enough until about four years ago. But literally, the, subliminally, you pick up on that. Like, right. like, there's a better option than being, you know, a poster for Yentl, you know, yeah, and, poster um, for Yentl. it's like the, I was just like, that's Jesus perfect. Christ. It's, it's so spot because on. like, yeah, there's, there's like an, there's a, there's a kind of critique. I, uh, I see oh, this. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a critique going on here, you know, and oh, like, absolutely. And the, it's the, genius. The, yeah. And, and I think that vendors is, is making a, is, has, as a, has definitely something to say about, uh, uh, mo- movie stories, Hollywood stories, and the way that we tend to treat this stuff, uh, at, 
as as very easy and uh and and one dimensional two dimensional and then I, what what I want to leave you is something behind that like look behind that and see how you and I think I think also it is I think it could be this thing where and I'm just saying this that maybe it's because you look at the word I talked about earlier about the casting I always felt like you know living abroad like there was this romanticism of American culture, like the Western John Ford Westerns. And particularly right. with that age group of filmmakers and painters and artists where they looked at America in a different way because they right. got out of the war. They were raised right after the world war two. Right. So it's almost like, Oh, I just met my hero. Right. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? So right. it, and that feeling where you're like, God, don't meet your heroes. I could yeah. see him saying that where there's a little of that commentary, like America yeah. LA, but you got the fucking airport behind you. Yeah, like the, the airport. Yeah. Jet airport. The guy works making fucking billboards. And it's like, really? It looks kind of beautiful from well, like, and pretty my, much the end of the runway up. In the <laughs> exactly. Like somehow my, you got to put the airport but there. You know what's interesting? That was LA in 1985, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. LA doesn't look much different than that. At all. The only thing that's different is that there are newer cars on the road. Right, right. And then, like, one of my favorite lines is when uh, he's like, The houses oh, look identical. It's yeah, weird. Same, yeah. Like, of course, it's the same thing. But and I mean, like, like, looks the same, too, by the way. When, uh, when, uh, when his brother uh, tells him what he does for a living, uh, tells Harry Dean, and Harry Dean's like, Oh, you're the guy who uh, makes all those billboards. And he's like, Well, I don't make all the billboards, you know, for LA. And I was right. just like, What's happening right there? Like, what is he saying? Like, like, you, like, it's just like, there's a, the thing that you are choosing to do is, like is this sort of cheapening and flattening of the of the image you know like there's something like like are you really the right guy to be raising my son is essentially i think what's happening in the background of that scene. Well, I don't funny was. I don't the way was. you say that you're the guy whenever i hear a comment like you know this you're the guy with the billboard it's like do you remember in the in-laws when peter falk is late and as soon as they come in he's with alan arkin he's like i understand your first dentist in the country to use the drill that spritzes water yeah. and alan argan's like well <laughs> so one of them no it's not true i'm just saying <laughs> well one of them <laughs> oh my god i could watch the movie a thousand times because it does serpentine serpentine i don't yeah. think Shell, harry dean Sutton was not harry dean Sutton definitely did not have anything negative to think about his i don't father. think no i don't i don't mean that quite as quickly as it sounded but like he's trying to get like a, a like there's i think it, it fits into like there's a there's a dimension that this kid is missing here in his right. life, right? And 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 I think that there's like the 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 past, like this may not like fucking the parents are great. They're not bad parents. Like right. everything, everything is fine. It's just that there is something two dimensional about the situation, parents. right? Yeah. And so like there, like there's it's it's asking for like what if it wasn't flat yen? What if it wasn't yentl? What if it was mm -hmm. something deeper than yentl? You know, no offense to Yentl, but I mean, like, what if it was like a little bit deeper than that, but more, right. more dimensional than that? And I think that that's what the movie is basically arguing for. And I think that there is a meta thing happening in terms of his intention as a an outside European independent filmmaker making yep. a movie about uh, <laughs> Texas and American filmmaking. You know, it's not like like these are like these like is it, you're choosing you're choosing Harry Dean Stanton. You're not choosing, um, uh, say, Al, Al Pacino. At that right. period, Al Pacino could also play that role, right? He could have done it. It would or, not uh, have worked. It would have not have worked. It would have, no. The Hollywood way to make that movie is you get Dustin Hoffman in there to play that right. role. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's why they choose that for Rain Man, exactly. Right, exactly. And instead, you get Harry Dean Stanton, and like you remain a little bit on guard 
the whole time yeah. because of that guy. And he's that's a what makes creepy. He's, he's it's a little, a little creepy. creepy. And like that's and like that is the edge that gives you like it. De- <laughs> movies aren't made smart by them telling you smart things. They're made smart by you. Like you are right. the one who does the work internally to discover things. If you're right. working, if you're watching a great work of art. And so the depth of a movie is the depth that you find in yourself. And that's what this movie does. It finds the dimensions instead of finding it in the flat plane, it finds it back here in you. And right. like, that's, and that's the kind of thing and the kind uh, that's allowed by the kind of pacing that this movie has. And, uh, by encouraging artists, uh, to make these things and encouraging audiences to be receptive to them. And that's the, that's the thing that I was arguing before. I do want to, I do want to, I do want to bring up something else. It's like, so, so this, this movie takes place in 1985, which was 35 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And you look at LA from 1985 and you look at Houston from 1985 and from the shots of this, it might as well have been shot yesterday. With the exception of most of the cars were older no. But there's still those 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 cars are still on the road today. Most a lot of them yeah. are. So it doesn't necessarily look that things much like different. that. Yeah, fashions right? change, right? Yeah, but like that's fashions kind of change slightly. Yeah, that's basically the same. Slightly, but it looks the same, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, from go back 35 years from 1985, and it's 1950. And it's a giant jump. <laughs> the giant jump between 1950 and 1985 yep. in terms of evolution, style, yep. architecture, everything. Yep. Yeah. What the fuck happened? Why didn't we do anything? Like, you know, the, I know we're stagnant, right? At a certain point. And like, the, like this is like another movie that I brought this up before, but like there's the, one of my favorite movies of all time is this thing called uh, uh, Hiroshima Monomore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and Hiroshima Monomore is, is, is just one of the great films of all time. And Hiroshima Monomore is, takes place in modern of the time, Japan, which is in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the main character is in love with a Japanese man. She has, so it's a, uh, a French woman in love with a Japanese man in Japan. Mm-hmm. And she is remembering her youth, which I mean, she's only like 35 in the movie. So she's not old. Like she's a normal woman. And she's remembering her youth when she was in love with a soldier in world war two. Right. And so it flashes back to world war two and the soldier is German. Right. And, and so in the occupation of France, so it's a very confused emotion that's happening for her. And it's cutting back to uh, Paris in 1944 and then cutting to modern Japan, modern Japan, 1960, whatever it is, 1964, right. Awesome. Looks like any modern city now. Like it looks like now, like right. it doesn't, doesn't look like, you know, like any old timey, anything. Um, and the time she is talking about is 15 years ago. Like that's it. And it looks yeah. like the old world. It looks like dungeons and dragons compared to what, uh, what modern Japan is like right. old, old Europe to modern Japan is what it's cutting between. And it's like, you're jumping literally hundreds of years. Right. And like the amount of change that happened for everyone in this incredibly short period of time it's impossible for me to imagine. Like 15 years ago is what? Okay, so that's what 2006. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> like that's the same. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. the same. You know. Yeah. And then you look at this movie, and it's exactly the same. You yeah. Know, like this, absolutely. Like there's, there's nothing. Nothing has. Everything is just stylistically flattened. Yeah. 
You know. I mean, there's other things. I mean, I always I, I keep like harping on the fact that nothing's changed since 1985, but that's not necessarily true. We sure. have had mass like the internet change everything. Oh yeah, I mean, there's been <laughs> big things that have happened, <laughs> right? The but internet changed like the, the entire economy of this right. system, like you know, all that stuff, and we're about right. to have more and more of that. But so, like, so like, there's no need the to necessarily like update right. the modern landscape of our architecture right. because no one gives a shit. Right. It's all just anyway. there, right? Because like, <laughs> if you make a futuristic movie that takes place, you know, forty years in the future from now, you may as well shoot today now. and not and not add any of the effects. It's going right. to be the same. Well, they did. They, they did in nineteen eighty five when they made RoboCop, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. It looked exactly, exactly like so. the same. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all right. I don't want to get uh, uh, too far down, but hopefully, uh, you guys uh, will uh, enjoy this this film. Yes. Um, these two movies are great. These two movies. Uh, I certainly loved uh, uh, going back. There is a lot emotionally that goes on in these films. Uh, and I, Texas is a beautiful back, backdrop to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the real stuff, the real growth, the real danger, the emotional trauma happens in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, you know, part of me is I remember – there was some, there was some important, you know, like, like, you know, Eric was kind of joking. He's like, how do you remember all these details to that trip? It's like that trip that, that there was a lot of things that happened during that road trip right. to me emotionally. It, it was, was a, a gro- formative, formative, it was a time. formative thing. And it was only yeah. five days, but it was a formative experience that I had. Uh, right. And I think that was something that I started to realize a lot of things about myself right. uh, as I went through that journey, which is why I, it is such an important thing. But Chilingua Texas is like, Oh, here's another weird thing. This is a show how crazy uh, 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 my friend Keith is. I arrive in Chilingua, Texas. Like I said, population is about a hundred people, and we're getting there. And we we go to like the national, like one of the parks there. You know, like there was, and uh, they had showers that you put quarters in so we could shower, and mm-hmm. because we hadn't showered yet, whatever. And so we. We get, that was the only only way of getting clean. And so the guy's like, ah, I feel much better. And he goes. I says, well, where to now? And he goes, and he says, you know what? I think I have a friend who lives here. <laughs> Wild. Wow. <laughs> so it's like we found his friend who lives there, and she was there, and we had a beer with her. And then he's like, well, where are you going to go? And I was like, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And it's like, what if we just go in that direction? What's there? And he goes, oh, well, there's White Sands. New- Gun, we'll go to White Sands, New Mexico. Let's do it. Let's do that. Yeah, I don't know if you know what White Sands, New Mexico is. But it's, it's a nuclear explosion place. Yes, <laughs> it's quite quite beautiful, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we drove there and arrived at White Sands in the middle of the night. Again, same same theme. Found a place that we could park, but it was too dark, couldn't see anything. So when the sun comes up and White Sands is very, very, very bright. The the the, the sand is actually more like talc. It's like yeah. talcum powder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's huge sand dunes. Um, and I happen to have, and very windy, which is what forms the sand dunes. And I happen to have with me for some weird reason, some kites in the back of my car. So we were flying kites in the white sands, New Mexico. That's nuts, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great trip. And these films, uh, were important to me because i sort of like saw them at the same time that these things happened to me although right. i'd seen uh the true blood before that simple mm. blood simple not true blood. blood simple true blood they evoke blood different. Different. memories for me it's always like uh if you really love a movie 
and it always sticks with you. It's always you remember walking out of the theater. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Right. And you're walking down the street, or if it's raining out in New York, and you're just kind of yeah. like, what the fuck did I just see? Oh, my yep. God. And you're talking and recreating the scenes in your mind as you're going. Yeah. And you almost get hit by a cab, and you keep going. Yep. It's like I remember that for – I remember leaving Lincoln Center on um, Paris, Texas, and I remember leaving for Blood Sibyl and, like, Goodfellas. Like, yep. all the time, like, the movies that – and stuck with me. Yeah. It's because you're constantly recreating in your head – for yep. days, you're like, like I can't like, believe this scene. Yeah, like, well, yeah, like it's scene that they're gonna I, sit there. Like you, it's like being in an accident. Like you, like it crystallizes this moment when you walk out of the theater. You're like, oh shit, that just happened. You know, yeah, the thing yeah. that was so powerful for me this time is that you know now that I'm a dad, right? Especially Paris, Texas. Now that I'm a dad, yeah, watching a that was a different experience, mm -hmm. and I was emotionally hit by that. And I was yep. walking around the kitchen like literally yesterday, right? And and my son, my young son, who's a little bit you know older than the kid in this movie, right. comes up to me and said, "Are you okay, Dad?" You know? <laughs> <You're> like, oh, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I'm a fine. It's like, it's like that was just a very powerful film. And he goes, "Oh, you mean that Paris, Texas film?" I said, "Yeah, that that's the yep. one." Yep, that's right. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good film. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, really, really beautiful. And uh, uh, and you know, I, I will, I will do any film that takes place in Texas at any point in time. I'll well, be... we'll have to do Texas part two, like we do with time travel part one, two, yes. three. Like that's uh, uh, you that. know another film that would be good to do is a film called Happy Texas. I don't know if you guys ever seen Happy. Oh Texas. yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've seen Happy Texas. <gasps> really? Oh sure. yeah. You it's told great. me to see that years ago, Chris. Yeah, it was pretty good. I think. Yeah, you it's a comedy. See that. Happy yeah. Texas. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's got uh, it's got some really good performances in it. My Texas movie would, of course, be uh, well. I got two. One I'm going to say is a, a, a Bottle Rocket, which is in Texas. Yes, yes, which is incredible. Uh, the other one is not a movie; it is a TV movie. Uh, but that is Lonesome Dove, which I'll just talk about. I love I, Lonesome Dove because yeah. McMurtry. McMurtry. Love it's the books. The books I favorites. loved as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still brilliant. The Lonesome Dove of the novel is one of the great novels I've ever read. And, uh, and the movie, the movie is very much a TV movie, but those two, like Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Duvall, and, um, and uh, the rest of the cast are just incredible. Uh, Danny Glover. Like, so that would, that would be my nomination for a uh, possible Texas return. If we do another, uh, 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 another Texas uh, 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 roundup. There we go. Texas uh, roundup part two. Yeah, well, there's well, Happy Texas also has William H Macy and Ron Perlman in it, and oh yeah, Steve Zahn says uh, Dave Three. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah it's Zahn. a very good film. Yep, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, uh, Steve Zahn good. does not get enough love in that as an actor. That guy is fantastic. oh, he's so good in in Happy Texas. It's one yep. of his good performances yeah, gotta for go sure. See that. Oh, Jason, nice with the blue. The blue duck is uh, blue duck is the bad guy in uh, Lonesome Dove, and he's played by Frederick Forrest, I think, in the movie. And he is oh, man, so good. The, the yeah. movie is very good. The book is incredible. Read the book; it's incredible. Larry McMurtry just died, as you pointed out, Eric. Uh, so celebrate his life by reading that book. The book is amazing. Uh, cool. I so, didn't say that, but I was thinking in my mind: like, is he still alive? Yeah, he, he just died, died like recently. two weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. He's ninety something years old. A friend of mine. Um, his parents love uh, uh, McMurtry, and uh, I loved his books when I was like in high school. Oh, he's just and yeah, he's a brilliant writer, brilliant writer. And but he owned a bookstore. And um, yeah, and he mom, gave the books mom. away. Yeah, like they, they just would go to the bookstore and see Larry McMurtry's stock and shelves. I was like, but he gave them all away. Oh, that's so great. 
Man, there was man. an article I saw, a video article, like four or five years ago. He was getting too old. So he gave the books away. People would come by and he gave them books. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's yeah. That's another whole thing. But I will talk about it at the drop of a hat, as I'm also a book reading kind of guy. But anyway, Lo we should do another Texas deal. We should. Uh, uh, logistically speaking, I should uh, uh, mention that we are uh, next week. We normally go off and on, off again with uh, stream, uh, like a stream watch party. Watch party. Mm -hmm. But we are going to do another podcast because we need to build up our bank a little bit. We're a little yep. low on the bank. Um, have so, we decided what that was going to be? Do we know now? Uh, no, we have not decided. We have not decided. So, so if if you guys in the chat have a real quick idea right now, you can put it in the chat. Uh, and yes, uh, Jason said uh, uh, happy birthday to Dan. Thank you, uh, Jason. Was, Excellent. His birthday was recently. Chris uh, recently had a birthday as well. We were born just about the same time. Just about yeah, we're just about a, a week apart. Yep. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys. Yep. Um, and yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you have ideas for films, please let us know. Obviously, if you're listening to this on a podcast, it's coming out way after this. But um, let us let us know as well. We always are welcoming ideas. Where can uh, we uh, be found? How uh, long has this been, by the way? What's we've, the, we're what's just about three time? hours. We're three hours. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Why? Went That's right good. by. Snap. It went like by. That. That's a good one. So it was you good. Can, you can find us uh, on Twitter uh, at Martini Giants. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram, martini underscore giant. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash martini giant. And you can reach us at uh, uh, podcast at martini giant.com. Uh, and of course, you can also watch the video forms of this on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant and yes. quickly just to point out, there's some new stuff being brewed up over here and yep. We are going to be expanding, and we'll have merch soon, and all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are, we are, we are, we are, we're building this up a little bit more. We're going to so Martini Giant is going to start to grow a little bit, uh, and uh, we're we're going to have quick. I know Chris and Dan. You told me not to say anything, but I'm saying <laughs> it. I just I'm opening my mouth, Dan. You know how to do. There it is. But we're there going to have is. our own line of lawnmowers, and they are going to so be, excited. Yeah, it's, oh uh, my god. I had to keep myself from saying. I'm it. sorry, there. I couldn't hold back, Chris. You're I'm sorry. Couldn't, I know you're you couldn't kept that a secret. That was going to yep. be our big keynote. That was the speech. big reveal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that was going to be just our, the, one more thing. Just the push mowers. Yes, they're stylish. They have really powerful motors. They come from China, and I'm thinking everyone's going to wear. Totally fine. Yeah, Everything can be nice. Yeah. Uh, Just but, make uh, sure yeah. you wrench the the blade a little bit tighter when you get it. Yeah, yeah. it's a well. It's a little wobbly. It's, I mean, if you if it's going, it's fast, a little wobbly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just buy some benzene too, just to make sure you can clean it. So that would yeah. Be yeah, that's right. That's right. No, but you know, we are very thankful to everybody in chat and everybody who's uh, supporting and listening to us um, because that is what is allowing us to expand because we're uh, the numbers are going up. Everything is looking lovely. And um, uh, we uh, uh, are looking forward to uh, getting this out on possibly the YouTubes and other things as well. So we're excited about all that. Uh, it's all yeah. because of you. Please let us know what you want us to cover. And yeah. we will we will cover it. And please tell your friends about us if yeah. you can. That's uh, almost the most important thing. Just let yeah. everyone know about it. Like a, yeah, like spread it out on Facebook, whatever you can, and let's get more people here in the chat. And by the uh, way, you guys back and forth tonight were very very good. You as well. Nicely you are great, Eric. I don't. I, I'm just saying, you, Chris, you were very emotionally attached to these films. They meant a lot, and they were great stories. Dan, same thing. You were really good insight. So it was a good right. show tonight. And well, and, uh, and for the for the people on Twitch, they understand what I what I'm saying when I say your your hair is looking great. Yeah. Hey, I need a haircut. 
But no, it looks, that looks fantastic. No, you need them all cut. No, that's it. That looks beautiful. <laughs> that looks good. That's very – talk about the – that's the that's the the that's my York. Keith look. That's my Keith that's Richards look. look. Nice, that's a good look. Right? I appreciate it. I just want to let you know. But anyway, uh, thank you all very much. That was completely great. Hey, no, actually, have you, have you guys been? I don't know. Have you guys seen? Um, I'm starting to post more pictures of my flies. Nice. Yes. <laughs> on Instagram, I don't know if you guys are watching it, but if you guys are interested in that, you can follow me on Instagram. Everything underscore has underscore Fernell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that is my uh, that is my thing, and then you can see like this is look at the flies. Oh, that's that. nice. Wow. Um, and uh, that is a lefty. So, if if I may also pimp my Zardoz channel, please check out my Zardoz yes. channel on YouTube. Go to look up Daniel Thrawn on YouTube and waste a lot of your time with nonsense watching my Zardoz yeah. Uh, playlist. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and Eric's uh, got some stuff brewing too. Actually, Eric's been doing a lot of heavy lifting for us on Martini Giant right now. So I really sure. want to thank him uh, for the amazing amount of work that he's been doing. Yeah, uh, and great. a lot no of what he's been doing. Uh, is going to be uh, much more public soon, so you guys will see it. Uh, and uh, you know, so we'll see. We'll we'll basically try to turn this into something that's going to be a little bit more fun and uh, involve more people. So we'll we'll get we'll get that going as well. We'll get there. Yeah. But hopefully, you guys enjoy it. Are you guys enjoying it? Hopefully, you guys are enjoying this. Well, Dave Three uh, D guy says the hair is epic. So yes. there you go. Confirmation from the outside. Mm-hmm. I uh, thank you for the support there, Dave. I I um, I am romanced by that hair. It's amazing. That is David. Like, I watch David Lynch give his weather report every single day, and his hair is not as good as yours i love his hair his hair is great his hair is great but yeah like he's he's been sort of letting it he's a little lax you've been keeping up um on that deserves its own merch that's very true we we should have martini giant hair products oh yeah (laughs) oh my god how great would that be give some uh, oh my god we can be done, man. They if they if they have it for a good mythical morning, like we, I think we can have it here. Get some uh, some he's, beard oil. Yeah, no, there's a lot. He things started out as a painter, by the way. Oh, Lynch, yeah, yeah, he's one of the great American artists. Philadelphia Academy of Fine Arts. I got I to I tell you that because just because it happened, and I was just cracking up because I knew it was going to happen, right? But it just happened just before we started the podcast today. I was on Instagram, um, just browsing stuff. And uh, there is a, you know, Instagram has ads, right, that they put up there, right? And uh, uh, the ad was for some pants. And I was like, you know what? I do need new pants. And I kind of like the way those pants look. So I actually clicked on the ad, which is the worst mistake you can make on Instagram. (laughs) Yes. Clicking on an ad on Instagram. I actually bit the cheese and then the trap fell around my neck. (laughs) So the next time I get on the Instagram, which was, you know, about an hour later, uh-huh. In out of ten posts that are on there, I believe six were for different pants. Ads. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So sixty percent of my content were pants, oh, and dude, pants, yeah. and several of them were the pants that I already bought. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. no like, this, like, this is the worst. Like, it's, I, I don't want to say it's the worst. I was like. The model is terrible. The model is terrible because, like, like I'll tell you this: pants. Here's a bazooka filled with pants. Yeah, coming at fire you. this at your face. Fire hose, yeah. of right? Pants. Like, they, like a day three D guy will understand this as well. Like, as as a writer, you do a lot of research on weird shit because you want to put it into your scripts or your or prose right. or whatever it is. And so, if I'm looking up videos on YouTube or looking up things on the internet, like the ads that come my way after I look up that much shit about a serial killer gets really weird, and I don't need it to be modeled 
modeled after me. I'm just looking right. it up for a story. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it, but it's uh, you know that's for a different. That's for that a was different a weird audience. one. That was yeah, a weird that's, one. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Like right now, I'm, I'm doing a I'm doing a writing a short story that takes place in Antarctica. Everything is all parkas. Everything is parkas. I'm just saying. I'm not an outdoorsy guy. I'm just writing about it. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, anyway, that is uh, that's our show, guys. I really appreciate you you being on. We we will figure out uh, what next week's episode is. Hopefully, I I've always had this real guilt sometimes. I feeling that after we describe the entire movie, you guys don't have to watch it or don't watch it, which I know is part of our tagline because our tagline is talk about the movies you you, you never got around to seeing and now you don't have to. Uh, yeah. that's our tagline in some ways, which I think is funny, but just try to watch Paris, Texas. <laughs> Good one, yeah. I know it's long. It's trust me. It's, it's, worth it. it's, worth it. it's worth it. Right. 100%. Uh, yep. so anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll try to be better about spoilers before we instantly, like, like I have done many times this episode where I'm just like, and then after Harry Dean Stanton's head explodes, Oh shit. You did, probably didn't know that part. Anyways, yeah. No, no. Eric is the one who always jumps to the end of the movie before we start the sentence. Do I really? <laughs> yeah. I oh, think yeah. it's because I have ADD. Yeah. Yeah, Norman cool. Bates is his own fun. mom. Let's talk about Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's like, so it's, it's like, today we're going to talk about Sixth Sense. Did you know he was dead the whole time? It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. You just gave it away. <laughs> Good times. What are we doing next week? I don't um, know. We'll figure yeah. it out. We'll figure it out between now and then. But if you guys have ideas, you guys know where to reach us, right? So everyone on chat, you guys know where to reach us. Yeah, Go ahead up. and and reach us if you have ideas. We can we can take them. Uh, you know, email whatever. Just let yeah. us know. We'll take care. Uh, of we'll take care of business when we've got plenty of ideas uh, uh, out there as well. But if you need a theme, I don't have one. Just you'll have to come up with that as well. All right, and then we'll do watch party the week after that. If that works for you guys. That's right. All right. And All so right. if you also see if you have ideas for watch parties, also let us know about that too. Yep. And obviously right. for everyone who's you know, heard us say it before, watch parties are things you don't mind us talking over or you've seen so many times you don't mind us talking over. But <laughs> they have, most importantly, they must be on Amazon Prime for free. Right. That, that is the only way it works. So yeah, it's not nothing we rent. It's on the free list on Prime. So, But anything from that, we'll definitely throw up there. So let, let her rip. Sounds good. All right, guys. You ready? Drink. Yeah, talk. Oh, drink. <laughs> oh. <laughs>